If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I just want to be able to go outside. I'm Dan. <laughs> uh, well, come to America. We're doing that all over the place. <laughs> Yeehaw. Um, this is coverage of Survivor Winners at War, Episode 7. We're in the majors. We're batting 750. I'm surprised I, more than anything that people still care about baseball as a Canadian. Um, I watch about one baseball game every four years when the Blue Jays do well. And other than that, I've, I have I have no idea what the word 750 means. I think <laughs> that means he's pretty good. He what found three out of four things. Three, three out of four things, true. <laughs> yeah, this was an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think right after I watched it, I was like, that was a good episode. And then as I went to rewatch it before we started recording, I was like, this doesn't feel as good as I thought it was. See, I actually think this was pretty fun in the way that there was a lot of fun little stories going on. Like, for sure. And it, like everyone had kind of like a fun story, had some deep moments. Like, I thought I actually forgot about the really touching Ethan moment immediately after watching. Like, my goldfish brain had forgot that we had this like super powerful Ethan moment talking to Parvati about like his battles, right? And because this episode is so jam packed with these like little micro stories that I kind of forgot about some major things. I think this episode was actually quite good and maybe one of the better case studies and three tribes working kind of well, where each tribe has like a pretty simple but interesting story. Like I was pretty invested in all the stories on all three tribes and kind of edge of extinction to the point where like, mm-hmm. honestly, like there wasn't much complexity behind anything at all. There's almost none. But what we saw was pretty interesting. Right. It was a lot of baseline like what's happening on each tribe but um those stories were in themselves captivating and we did get a little bit from everyone i think this is one of the first confession or episodes in a while to have everyone get a confessional and like it it did it pretty quickly too yeah so no 100 percent. and yeah i mean like the green tribe it was like adam's annoying people the red tribe was like people like denise now um and tony is still kind of a weird guy and then blue was obviously like a bomb going off. They were all like pretty interesting. Um, and even like, I don't know, even Edge of Extinction wasn't abhorrent this week, I thought. Eh. It almost felt like a longer episode. Like it felt like the we had a little yeah. bit more than 44 minutes. Right. Yeah, because I think you got some, you got two sections of Edge of Extinction as opposed to one. Um there was time for everyone. We didn't just get Yara not going to travel council, so they need and a thing plus the other two having all their post tribal council stuff or post immunity stuff. Um, yeah, it felt like there was actually time. So yeah. it gave me honestly an appreciation for how good this season can be that I do care about most of the characters. Like I cared who won immunity because I didn't mm-hmm. want certain people to lose. Like that was kind of fun. I don't right. Know. Right. I think what this did do was it capped off this pre merge. And I'm still looking at this as a pretty good season. How yes. much of that is in part to an excellent cast? I don't know, but I'm I'm enjoying what I've seen so far. So 
That's good. absolutely. I don't think this hit the heights that it could. Like something like Heroes vs. Villains or something. I think this could have been because of how good it is, in spite of like the time limitations they had. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. but I do think it's for the most part stuck to the landing. Like be- I think you're right, mostly because this cast is so good. Mm-hmm. I do think the strategic gameplay has been a little flat compared to most modern seasons. Like if you look at the boot order, it's pretty much a list in order of like the people with the biggest reputation, leaving right. almost in order. Um, but I don't know. And like, it's obviously all the old school people. Most of the boots have been pretty unanimous, but they seem to get to the conclusion in interesting enough ways. Even, I don't know, like the Tyson boot was obviously so locked in that it wasn't even really a discussion. I feel like Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of those votes, but like the cast is so good that I'm kind of willing to wipe away some of the criticisms I would regularly have. Mm -hmm. I think because it's at least, you know, each of these players has the capability to think well about the game and so even if it is something as simple as the tyson boot you're at least getting people's thoughts of what comes after that or what are the ramifications or stuff around it as opposed to just we're in this majority and we're doing this thing honestly i think my favorite thing about the season is that they've been willing to make their winners look not great Mm -hmm. i think that is the fun thing to me is like every week i'm like happy and excited that like adam or wendell or danny or somebody is getting like kind of lashed out at by the edit like they're not afraid to make them look bad i think that's my favorite thing because like we really haven't seen this side of a lot of these people they were shown just glowing and positive and like nice people for the most part with like adam and wendell's case like glimpses of negativity in their original season but for the most part it was a positive story it's fun seeing the opposite of that the flip side of the coin where they are willing to let the winners have their hands get a little dirty right you can imagine where they sort of just want to almost crown everyone and make everyone look good wash them all with the same brush but yeah these like dips and valleys making some people look worse or better all that is really really helping this season yeah for sure um speaking of which i guess i do want to touch on one thing that i think has been notably bizarre and i think a lot of things like a lot of people have made this point as well but the music this season they have to have got a new composer or something because the music this season is off the rails like i don't know i think usually i use survivor and like when i talk to people about uh sound editing and film editing I do that a lot. I usually use Survivor as a good study on like fun sound mixing, clever ways to use music cues. This season, not gonna lie, I think is maybe the worst in recent memory where like there were straight up vocals playing while Michelle was delivering a confessional and like the mix was confusing where I was like, is Michelle a ventriloquist? <laughs> kind of thing um like the stingers we've been mentioning over and over again have been way more blatant than in past seasons like there's an electric guitar playing does mm-hmm. not match the island theme at all i usually survivor has awesome music and i feel like this season it's been notably bad or distracting anyway right and with like just vocal music i think is different um i think sometimes survivor has leaned into like the sort of tribal chanty vocal music but this is like uh western like rock indie rock that they're doing um and like i've tried to find this song or the singer that has sung 
throughout multiple episodes and I can't. I don't know if I'm like not looking in the right spots, but it's just bizarre that they almost like commissioned whoever this is to do music for this season. They must I think they must have. Like this must be original. If we're right. wrong on that and it is like a regular piece of music, please someone send oh, us yes. what it is. Please like, solve this be... mystery for us. I looked around for a little bit, couldn't find anything. Mostly because all the links that I tried were like a Rick Roll, so like they would <laughs> like a joke song. And then I got frustrated and stopped looking. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it if it actually exists, let us know. But I think the decision to put weird like you're right, like it's it sounds like indie pop music. Like if you just turned on like your alternative station, mm-hmm. it would start playing. Like it's right. very bizarre. It almost feels like a commercial at times. I felt like Michelle's last little segment there at the end felt like a commercial. Like like it was trying to sell me something. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like a different show. Mm-hmm. Like, you're right in that, at least in the style we've grown used to, Survivor has become very good at how it treats sound. We talked earlier in an earlier episode about how it sort of is able to sort of come in with the right music and fade out at appropriate times. And then this, it feels like they haven't grasped how to use this music to the same extent if they can like i would say it matches thematically with sort of what michelle was expressing in that moment but it did absolutely clash and yeah no one wants to hear two voices at the same time Mm -hmm. like you're fighting to understand one already so yeah like i used to do like these talks to students where we would show them how to kind of like do audio editing and like a little like you'd make a short film or whatever and part of the task of the objective or whatever is we would give you like an obnoxious pop song so like um shoot like the one that got away by katy perry or whatever you have to make like a serious short film but somehow include that in a way that isn't just like someone playing it on the radio or whatever but use it as a score and not make it sound super cheesy and it feels like that's what they're forced to do like they have this song that they are mandated to play every week Mm mm-hmm and so they just find a spot that's the least obtrusive to put it or whatever. I don't know. Right. If you sort of think about how scripted television uses like licensed music, is that mm-hmm. what it would be called? But like, it's never like at like while someone's talking, it's usually while they're winding down at the worst. And then like, like wistful stares and like people walking away and yeah, montages. montages and yeah. yeah, it's never like over the most important revelation of the episode yeah it's very bizarre and i i really am wondering like why i guess um Mm -hmm. but i don't know that was an interesting uh thought process for sure one editing thing i want to point out is (laughs) the bizarre (laughs) what i'm calling the great sophie incident where in this immunity challenge we were told that the yara tribe went one time uh with that giant cylinder of water and in the episode you can clearly see sophie gain and lose pants about five times like while they're still apparently on one trip (laughs) bringing this thing this very heavy cylinder object disc thing truly a capable queen (laughs) right like i don't know how like really like also like why like why are you putting on and taking off pants and <laughs> very i guess they're shorts they're more like shorts but super bizarre and i was watching the tv show like like this is super blatant like this isn't like i don't know like sometimes like obviously continuity is hard but like i feel like this was pretty obvious like is sometimes the shots were beside each other in 
Like, like you'd be watching one feed. It wouldn't like cut to the other tribe. It would just cut back to them, and she'd have pants all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, very. I mean, obviously, the immunity challenges do have some some of that manipulation in there. Like, I think if you would have shown all two or three trips, it would have cut away from other segments. That I'm glad got it instead of that extra trip here. But mm-hmm. still, it's interesting that they did do it and almost so sloppily. And also to emphasize that the Yara tribe really played smartly and only needed one quote-unquote trip. So yeah. It definitely makes the moment way more powerful, I think. Or like, yeah, what does it say for the edit overall? Like, why is why are we valuing Yara's strategy over the others? Exactly. Um, I my guess is that in in actuality, uh, blue and red went like to call in Sele went three times, and Yara only went twice, and that's really what happened. Like, and they just thought it was a clear story, maybe to have it just like the the ones that went one time or whatever. But mm-hmm. for I don't sure. know. I, you're right. Like, there's. I mean, I'm also the highest on the Yara tribe, I think, of all of them. Like, I have two contenders there, bordering on three, and only one on each other tribe. So, maybe not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, I like this immunity challenge. Like, it was really interesting to see Nick have to do it again and also fail at it again. I think yeah. it is, I think, interesting in that it uses the same pieces in a different way um yeah yeah this is one we loved in david versus goliath too like yeah it's good good constructed challenge Mm -hmm. and you can see how people work together i think it's just better than the other challenges we've seen so far yeah that's also true like (laughs) i do like these kind of things where like i mean we just kind of ragged on them a little bit for what actually happened but i like that there is like philosophical differences in how the tribes approached it Mm-hmm. And they both worked. Yeah. The most, like there was the episode told us there's a clearly better strategy, but it was a risk. And it was fun to see like a risk payoff. Yeah. I mean, you remember that what Yara did was better, but if you watch it again, like it was actually pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 100%. Ooh, the other thing about this challenge I wanted to point out I mean, obviously, this seemed like one of the closest ever, like literally mm. piece away, right? Um, and I, I've no last week I wanted to make mention of the fact that they pointed out Wendell balancing that ball thing is like a ball maze. Mm-hmm. And we get the shot of uh, Wendell saying like, watch this probst or whatever. And then his ball drops. And then this week we basically saw the same thing with him being like, I get, like, this is the third time this season that they've shown Wendell preemptively celebrate winning. Right. Which Definitely I believe an interesting note. it happened in Ghost Island too. The opposite. Like, The opposite, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably why he's doing it. But, Mm -hmm. like, they're definitely not giving us that explanation. You know what I mean? Like, For sure. They're not like, hey, remember last time in Ghost Island when I should have won an immunity that I did? Instead, they're going, um, like, look at how much of a jerk he is for showboating. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, like, I think it's a fun little story. Right. I also like if there's, like, still some water in the saucer and you, like, slam a puzzle piece down, it, like, splooshes out, like, that's yes. a fun aesthetic it's thing. Really, very pretty. Like <laughs> this episode in general also has some like really good cinematography. I thought like there's um there's also some bad cinematography. Like the shot of I think it was the shot of I think it was the Parvati and Ethan one where the camera is just like the cameraman is going haywire. He's, like <laughs> like I, tripped I or something. Feel like I know what you mean because like Ethan is talking, but it's like zooming in on Parvati 
And yeah. I don't like, is it supposed to be a big moment for Parvati? Like, I think what we saw there was a classic case of they didn't have a good shot. Like, mm-hmm. usually I'm guessing they do like a two camera setup here for something like this. And they probably just both were like, because one was clearly zoomed in on something. Right. Like, they were like frantically trying to get it back into frame, like the people back in frame. Mm-hmm. And I think they just chose to go with that because it was a touching scene. Yeah. And that's probably why I forgot it though, because there's no like memorable visual with it. Like for some of the t- shot, we were like some of the scene, we were not seeing them. Mm-hmm. We we're seeing like motion of a camera. Sure. But that was that. Oh, but like the Prey Mantis, that was sick. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh the other thing I wanted to touch on is for a long time, I feel like a c- consistent trend in our podcast and other survivor podcasts, quite frankly, is like the desire for like flashbacks as like a, a manipulation of time as a storytelling meaning uh way of storytelling mm-hmm. i think we might have hit the critical uh like climax of it where i think they, i think they've gone too far i think we have too many flashbacks at this point right in this episode we saw obviously boston rob have like this flashback montage of him finding the three i didn't hate that one too much i thought it was a little corny like a little bit over the top where it's just like okay, you just showed us him finding the things that you could have shown us finding in real time, but like two seconds after for no reason. I guess I was trying to think of what my actual problem was with that. And I think it's sort of with it being on edge of extinction, you are essentially showing us like the same sort of process twice. Like it stretched it out because you had to be like, oh, Tyson found one, but everyone's playing off as they've not found any. And then we go back and Boston Rob finds all of them. And then, it just felt like a longer way to tell a story that I I don't think will have a huge impact on the game, but maybe I'm wrong. That's the thing is I I didn't really get it. Like there wasn't really dramatic irony in the moments because if anything, showing it him finding them first, be like, oh, no one's even gonna know I have these because I ditched them in a bush or something, and then do that um frisk scene. Right. Then there's dramatic irony. You're like, oh, Rob, is Rob gonna get caught having them? Because I know he has them. Instead mm-hmm. of a scene where you're watching people get frisked when you know no one has them, and then afterwards being told, by the way, he did have some. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a misunderstanding of how stories work. Yeah. And then I think to me, the one that I really, really hated was like, I'm okay with flashbacks, but I think if you start using flashbacks as a way to retcon your previous episodes, that like if the episode lies to you to like hide the boot or whatever, and then the next week the flashback is like, oh yeah, by the way, this is what actually happened. I think that's really, really cheap. And they've done that at this point twice. Mm-hmm. One with Sophie giving Kim the idol back, and this with Michelle giving Wendell a fire token. Yeah. And that scene was so quick. Like there's some sort of hand-to-hand transaction between Michelle and Wendell and then Wendell's happy about it. But like, if there wasn't narration, I would not have known. Yeah. And I think that was my other thing with the Rob flashback is that even though we saw it on the screen, it really depended on Rob telling us what was happening. And it became like the tell not, show that you want to stray away from in storytelling like rob just literally narrated the whole process Mm -hmm. so and it felt icky and honestly at that point i'm just like so this whole thing was constructed like the rob one was constructed to give him a long confessional Mm -hmm. i can't think of another reason for it other than oh this is a good way to like shoehorn him into the episode for more like that's that's the sad part um and I don't like that, like, at this point, it's pretty clear that Wendell and Michelle are probably just very close. And 
We right. just like they lied to us, and then a- after the fact, we're like, "Oh, never mind. We lied to you. Um, they're actually best buds." She gave him a token, and now we're gonna lie to you again because he's the decoy again. So that was a little mm-hmm. cheap, but mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that's the thing. Is like flashbacks can be used well. I'm glad that they're willing to try this, and they've had some success with it. Like I think some like the Dan Rangering Idol and stuff like that were really fun, but I do think that they've probably done a little bit too much, and if it subtracts from the story rather than giving you like fun bonus info then i think it's a thing that should stray away from Mm -hmm. exercise caution for sure i guess we did sort of talk about how when we first heard about the fire tokens twist is going to become this challenge for them to monitor all the transactions and stuff and they put it in the lower third like how many each person has but they're still having to sort of socket these transactions away into little flashbacks which doesn't feel great yeah and honestly i think as great as the chirons are like the lower third like honestly i think it's at this point information overload it's like name their sometimes their <laughs> occupation sometimes not uh a blinking thing that sells you how many fire tokens they have whether they have advantages or not where they're from like in, if it's like a five second confessional unless you're a fast reader you can't even tell what's happening you know what i mean it's just like a wall of yeah. text at the bottom of the screen right not sure if to climb or read it's tricky tricky problem (laughs) um but yeah no that's like overall like i had some gripes with the episode but overall i think because they had so like clear stories that they understood honestly i think because the merge is coming up and basically only the blue tribe dynamics mattered they were willing to just kind of explore characters a little bit more Mm -hmm. and just devote it to that which i thought was fun right like hit me up with that ben and adam buddy cop movie (laughs) no they're not buddies (laughs) the point of a buddy cop movie joe by the end, they will be. Mm. And I guess that brings us to our story section. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Um, so let's start with the idea of using your past to create your present. Where do you think that this was here in the episode? I mean, obviously with Ethan, once again, talking about his past and what it means for him coming out here, especially when he doesn't know that he'll stay healthy in yeah. these um, drastic conditions. Um, Michelle reiterated it with her uh, music confessional. Once again, we got we talked about how she was proving herself. Um, yeah, those are the big ones, I think. Yeah, no, I think I think you're 100% right. I think both of those are exceptional examples. Like the Ethan scene, again, was so powerful with what he was talking about. And then honestly, my guess is that we were just talking about the music. My guess is that the over the top music was meant to like draw special attention to Michelle's confessional. Mm-hmm. They wanted to emphasize this above everything else in the episode, that this is the important thing. Michelle's proving herself that she did not only deserve to win her last season, she deserves to win this one. Really powerful scene. I think it's probably the thematic undertone of the season. Like it's um, the idea that y- the players here, like it's the what makes a winner thing. Like a winner is somebody with tenacity and the desire to change who they are to be a better player. I don't think it necessarily means Michelle's our winner. I think it's it's clear that that's a positive quality in this season. Mm-hmm. And like we were meant to take special attention to it. Yeah, sort of people showing they can play, I think, is getting the attention here. You saw that with Michelle, Denise last episode, um, just wherever yeah. they can sort of emphasize play and proving they can be a strategist, even if that wasn't how they won the game the first time is important. Which is baloney for Denise, but whatever. <laughs> um, and I do think that relates a lot to the idea that they've kind of perpetuated a lot in this season. The idea of the meat and nerd shields, lion's hyenas, 
of like, oh, the Lions are these big players that earned their win and the Hyenas are just going to grab everybody up. Mm -hmm. At this point, we're looking at a merge of mostly people who were identified as Hyenas. Um, Like our Edge of Extinction group is pretty much all the people that were referred to as a lion or a big player. And we're left with all the all the underlings. And I think that's an interesting thing. Tony's um, like prophecy kind of came true. Right. And it's interesting that he's still here. Mm hmm. Like, he hasn't, I guess, if he didn't get his way and kept all his starts around, he hasn't paid the price for it yet, so... Yeah, and not only see. is he still here in this episode, Jeremy says, Tony is the biggest threat here. Right, right. Like, he's the king of the jungle. He's the ultimate lion or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. And relevant to what you were saying, I think in this episode we saw, I think most of our themes, usually it's about the idea of, it's either this or the opposite. Right. But it's like, it's either... The theme is why lions need to have hyenas to protect them. Or it's about how the quote-unquote good players entering the game failed to see that big targets can hide in very small places and people who entered in as bad winners can outshine you. Denise had a confessional where she said that, like, big targets are in very small places. I'm here to play. I took out the queen. Who's next? That could very well be the theme, too. Like, it's very interesting how they set it up, and I think it's the one that they've cultivated the intrigue out of where i'm still not 100 percent sure which side's gonna win out there and like straight up my top two winner contenders are opposite stories because mm-hmm. of this theme right like it's either about how the threats fail to see the people could rise above or it's about oh yeah threats should have kept the um big guys around yeah i i definitely think right now it's emphasizing the little person story yes like it's saying People like Michelle and Denise can rise up. Um, People like Adam and Ben can have very important roles in this storyline. I don't know if they're rising up per se, but they're very important to the story and how they're navigating through this game. Yeah. And to like the person who spoke this into existence was Sophie, whose nerd shield just left. Right. right? Like Yule the big juicy uh, nerd shield gone. And I think that's going to be an interesting story of like, how does Sophie deal with that? Mm-hmm. hopefully she does mm-hmm. that brings us to the fire tokens in the survivor economy and joe i'm starting to get the feeling that maybe uh nick was wrong and the winner won't be the person who uses these best i think these might be our similar to last season are like how idols were like really negative i think this the fire tokens might be very negative yeah they're kind of the pitfall where people have been getting hung up on because we see person after person want to get the person who's being voted out fire tokens. And I think it's always backfired. Uh Like Adam almost got voted out because of it. Um, Sandra was just trying to be nice. I guess she wasn't going for Denise's fire tokens, but probably she was no, cause she, well, Denise couldn't get voted out though. So like, but I mean, well, she wanted her to give her her two fire tokens. Oh, true. Like, True. just straight up, like, not right. get voted out and also give me your... Right. Um, Wendell doesn't look great trying to get Parvati's tokens, but, I mean, it didn't pan out. Um, and then, yeah, here, Yule, we're told Yule is voted out because he is playing too hard trying to get fire tokens. So I think, yeah, the fire tokens part and that survivor economy is the, yeah not being treated as a positive yeah no like straight up like i think and i think the thing is is like whether it backfires or not the diff the difference is negligible like it really is if it backfires like i guess to me what i mean is 
Wendell not get Wendell and Adam not getting voted out doesn't mean it didn't backfire on them in the story. For sure. We basically were told they should have been voted out twice. Mm-hmm. Right. Is how the episode presented it. And then it's like, oh, but Yule did it even worse. Mm-hmm. Poverty was too much of a threat or whatever. But it was still like they went from not getting voted out to maybe getting injustice yeah. here. Yeah. And I would say this is sort of counter to the just idols people have found on the beach. I think those have been treated pretty well. Like Denise Agreed. obviously used her just to good effect. Um, Sandra and Sophie's is, I think, seen as very powerful. Kim's, I mean, who remembers it for one, but it's not the worst so far. No, Kim's is the worst. The other ones are good, though. Yeah. Yeah, Kim, Kim's going to Sandra herself out somehow. But, uh, mm. some, like, I mean, we did have Sophie, like, dig into her as the worst decision you could ever make. So but that could mean a lot of things. Who knows? <laughs> it could. Um, so I guess let's move on here. To forfeit this battle to win the war. Tragically, our crab and snake have not shown back up. Yeah, um, I think. No, I guess they have longer <laughs> lifespans than whatever day we're on. Um, but yeah, I think they're probably long gone. They moved to another island. Yeah, I ain't no biologist, but. <laughs> but still very important, I think. And I wouldn't say it was explicit in this episode. But I think one of the things we're seeing emerge is this idea of emotional dis- or strategic decisions. Which is really just a recasting of this theme, because it's sort of saying, do you want to do something emotional and in the moment win a battle versus something strategic that sets you up down the road to win the war? So I think you saw this right at the beginning of the episode with Sanders saying she made the wrong decision. She made an emotional decision and trying to help Denise. Um, And then at the very end, where Michelle makes a strategic decision to keep Wendell over Yule. Yeah, no, you're right. It's she. Wow, that's so smart. Um, you're 100 percent right because <laughs> I was thinking completely differently. But yeah, like Michelle literally words it in that way where she's like, "I would love to vote out Wendell," but she doesn't because it's the strategic worst move. The emotional move is vote out your ex boyfriend that you're like awkward to be around. Mm-hmm. The smart move is take up the smart guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's 100 percent right. And. <laughs> Again, a lot of these themes seem to be boding quite well for Miss Fitzgerald, but right. I think another aspect of it is sort of what we talked about with the survivor economy, overplaying your hand, um, trying to have your cake and eat it too, I think, where mm-hmm. you're already things are going okay, but you want them to go perfect, and then that's where it the snare hits and it goes bad. Yeah. Agreed. I think an interesting one to me that was pretty front and center in this episode was the nature of truth. Early on, obviously, we see Boston Rob, like, want to keep Danny, even though she's targeting him, because she's truthful. I think that's shown as very positive. In this episode, I think we saw the, like, logical end of it, where Wendell's story is kind of like, uh, I mean, one, you have Wendell's story of being like, I just want realness, man. Like, I thought, um, like, I thought everyone would respect my realness. Right. And that being like, I just want the truth kind of thing. I thought that was, ex- he almost exactly said this theme too. Like he wants truthfulness over anything. Mm-hmm. But then he, he uh, sort of, you see it play out interestingly where he reacts very well to Wendell sort of calling him out for what he said at Tribal. And then Michelle does essentially the same thing and he goes at her for it. So it is that very questionable nature of not only do you want to hear the truth or not, what is the truth to you? And who can yeah. tell it to you? That's the thing is Wendell's actually shown to be not a um, good person on this theme, like where multiple times he's been shown not willing to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. 
like even in this one, right? Like he's like, I won the game too, Michelle. Don't school me. Mm-hmm. And not a great look, I thought, but that was like <laughs> confessional too. Like that's another thing to note. Like that was like I think a lot of this uh, Michelle Wendell rivalry is like playing it up to like hide their bond. But like that wasn't confessional. Like he was clearly right. actually very mad about that. So yeah, something to note. The other one that I thought was interesting here was the whole Adam, Sarah, Sophie, Ben. uh, Soap opera. Yeah, soap opera. (laughs) That was so funny. Like, that was all about the nature of truth, right? Like, he wants so bad. His disdain for Ben is so high that he has Mm -hmm. to believe that Ben has it. Right. He just can't even fathom the idea that it could be Sophie. It was so fun to watch. Mm -hmm. It bodes well for the three, obviously. Right. And I mean, it's just all over. Um, even Edge of Extinction, sort of how that plays out, where apparently no one found the tokens, but you see how Rob did and obscured it. Yeah, I mean, you see how Rob is the greatest player of all time for finding three things in a mm-hmm. challenge about finding three things. Well, he's winning finding the, four things. Winning the Edge of Extinction Easter egg hunt. Yeah, he is the king of Easter. <laughs> uh, well, um... <laughs> I think I I know a book that might disagree with you, but um... (laughs) (laughs) true. (laughs) You mean Peter Rabbit too, right? Right. Um, Is that all we have on the nature of truth? (laughs) Uh, So the last one, I think I wanted. This is the last one. No, just kidding. (laughs) Had to scroll down. Um, Things will be hard, but you belong. Obviously, Michelle's theme sort of caps off here uh, with another reference to her win not being as well received as it should have been but she can play and that's yeah. essentially it Just... and denise oh true denise as well honestly poverty had it too like like hey we're all winners like we gotta be positive right yeah so that's that's one of them mm-hmm. I think the interesting one here though that's left is this old school versus new school players the chaotic pace of the game oh boy are we looking at a <laughs> weird theme here where every player who's played before season 20 21 actually uh is out right like is right gone at the edge of extinction clearly the theme was they couldn't keep up or was it i don't know it was just interesting that we sort of track this it was such a big reason for strategy and stuff throughout the beginning of the game and now yeah it splits so cleanly where no one is left from before south pacific yeah um yeah it'll be interesting to see who comes back and what their outlook is going forward otherwise i think it might it might just be dead my theory oh go ahead is that what we're gonna see is some players a trip like new quote again this is gonna be convoluted some new school players are gonna attribute themselves as playing more old school i think is what we're gonna see Keep in mind, regardless of who gets voted out at this point, um, four or seven, and there's 12 people, more or less the jury's decided already, right? Like, if the old schoolers were to vote together, they can effectively decide the winner. Yeah. So they're going to be a very, very important part of the jury. Mm-hmm. I think this is where this theme is going, is the new schoolers are going to have to beg and show that twist and turn to show that they were... As Boston Rob said in episode one or two or whatever, new schoolers just don't talk to each other. You're going to have to prove that part. Hmm. That they were able to play both sides of the game. Mm-hmm. I think I think I'm thinking similar, but I think it might more mush into the threats versus non-threats 
Lions and Hyenas theme where uh, they sort of talk about how that was useful to them or a old school player comes back and is able to say we should have worked against this but we didn't and yeah go from there yeah you're right like because that's the other thing is old school could have could be a um metaphor kind of for lion right like right very possible is that we were meant to take when tony's talking about lions and hyenas he he means people who played before 20 and people who played after 20 Mm -hmm. very possible yeah i mean he can even though he is technically new school, I think he can work into that theme saying the people who are considered legends didn't stick together and they were all out early. Yeah. So I think you talked, you mentioned a comment about that either a week or so ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point is like, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that somebody's final tribal speech is like, uh, you guys should have listened to me. Like very Sandra, like, like, Mm-hmm. like especially if it's tony right if tony was winning which spoiler alert i think is quite possible it i think it is going to be that it's going to be him going to the end and being yo look at the boot order like you guys are literally the entire pre-merge you probably mm-hmm. should have listened to me right and like jeremy has the same kind of attitude like there's a bunch of people who could fit that role tony mm-hmm. being the most outspoken for sure which brings us to the edge of extinction the edge itself how exciting i i don't know didn't hate this as much as usual. Um, I don't know. I think I just really like Tyson. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he gave he gave good confessionals. So good on him. Um, wasn't a bad episode for him. Like, I think he got shown as well as he could, even though he's not the greatest ever. Mm-hmm. He's still amazing. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I yeah. guess to me, Tyson still is super likely to win. Mm-hmm. Though I do think like. Last week, I was really, really, really high on him. I th- I still had him number two, but, like, I have cooled off on him a little bit. Mostly, I think, because of a listener sent us a thing of kind of persuading me a little bit, where it's the biggest knock against Tyson is the fact that he is there. Um, Because if he's the first returnee, it could just be the story of how Tyson comes back into the game, and that's why he has all this positivity. And then, like, he can leave whenever after that. Right. To me, I'm almost at the point where if Tyson doesn't come back next week, then he becomes my number one, as weird as that is. Hmm. Like, Tyson being the second returnee gives him a lot more chance, I think. Mm-hmm. It'll always be both. I don't know. I guess <laughs> I- I'm cooling off a little bit on Tyson must win if he comes back, because, like, there's a chance that it's, like, a Phoenix story, and then you're super happy he's in the game, like, Rick Devon style. Huh. Yeah, I'm trying to think if he sort of feels like a Rick Devon's type who has a big pre-merge and returns at the merge. I mean, maybe more than anyone else right mm-hmm. on the edge right now that's the thing is like he could and i guess the thing is at the end of the day the difference between person who comes back into the game as a hero that you want to root on probably doesn't look too much different than a winner until they come back sure for sure so i'll grant that idea and then even then they might suck up so much camera time and confuse you for the whole rest of the season yeah rick Evans. <laughs> rick Evans. yeah um, um who else do we think has a shot here on the edge i thought this episode was tricky i guess right. before we, before we move on i do think so we're merging at 11 do you think i i've been thinking about this for a while is there gonna be two people coming back like one male one female maybe i don't even know if there's gonna be one 
Like that next time on was so weird. Like I know they obviously have to obfuscate it, but like, oh, and I meant to look on the rewatch to see if the next time on shows like a challenge being set up when they merge, but I forgot yet again. It was does. There... Okay. So I guess someone is, but I think it is just the one. I feel That's, like it's just. It's hard to tell. Like maybe they didn't show, like they didn't show anything about the edge, right? Like I feel right. like someone is coming back. Maybe, I don't know. I think two is possible. Hmm. But then again, then they need another body gone at some point. So yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. They have, they have ways to get people out of here faster. Compress those episodes. We want double triple triple tribal (laughs) yeah no that's the thing to me this episode was weird because i suddenly like last week i was like okay it's gonna be tyson and somebody else like yeah that's like probably natalie maybe somebody else Mm -hmm. this episode now i'm like oh shoot it could be almost all these people in a way that i don't i know it's the one before so this is the doubt episode so like put some ice on that i guess but I still think it's Tyson, but then I don't know who the other would be. Like, Natalie was gone in this episode. Right. Yeah, I think just generally I'm lowering on Natalie, even coming back at all. Same. I feel like she was just sort of the dominant force there until Tyson got there. So that's why we got so much content. Um, And if anything, she's an obstacle, right? For If we're meant to cheer on Tyson coming back in the game, we're meant to kind of see Natalie as unstoppable. Mm-hmm. as like a blockade to his journey right i would say as far as just returning goes the way both ethan ethan and parvati were treated here made me feel real weird yeah like no straight up like this honestly that's why i started being like is it one male one female because to me a poverty was giving very like i'm coming back in vibes mm-hmm. which i know we talked about like amber not being able to win a challenge but like parvati also doesn't give me like challenge winning vibes like did but she won a bunch in her original she won a bunch in both of them okay maybe maybe i just underestimate her but um yeah it still feels like there's like rob and natalie and tyson here and they feel like at least the second tier yeah of but who knows? Anything can happen. Um, Ethan coming back wouldn't surprise me. Like, again, this scene with him was very, very touching. I mean, yeah, last week I had him really low because he just had sort of faded out. We weren't meant to care about him. But then this one was like, clearly his story's not done, but maybe it's just meant to be this inspiring Edge of Extinction story. Yeah, like, is obviously... Ethan the Ream? Yeah. Like, where it's like his stories, he reaches personal satisfaction by making it all the way or whatever Mm -hmm. that's very possible yeah the weird thing to me is like we did get like the weird stuff with parvati where it's like parvati saying fasting is really good for you and stuff like that was (laughs) a bizarre response to what he said right and you could kind of see his eye rolling being like do you realize i'm talking about like a serious (laughs) medical condition he just sort of did the thing where i was like he was like okay let me keep going (laughs) she's like in yoga i'm like oh (laughs) i don't know if it's gonna help yeah but yeah no that's the thing is to me i'm almost at the point where it's like are was this intentional doubt was this the end of some of these people's stories is mm-hmm. it's just that these are the icons of survivor and we're just probably gonna see equal content for both sides of in and out of the game it's hard to tell right um guess to clean up some of the other people Amber is now solidly at 18th. Uh, <gasps> may she rest in peace. Like, it was just not, not, not the story for her. Like, poor girl didn't even try to go after tokens at first. Oh, she's so done. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, like, she's you can just tell she's like miserable. She doesn't want to be there. She's just disappeared since Rob got there. Like they didn't even get their reunion. She just like <laughs> completely faded. And then Danny didn't have anything this episode. So her cowboy hat looked great. I mean, yeah, she's still looking great. I mean, she still has that fish moment. So I don't know if that's her closure or closure. or she's hanging on for the late merge returnee yeah. and winner of season 40. That'd Danny be Bo-Rite. beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would not wish for anything better. Danny Queen. Truly underestimated. Yes. Uh, but really, the big surprise was someone left. Like, I only have 19 people to care about now. Right? Yeah, I guess that is the story here, right? Like, <laughs> Sandra left immediately, which was maybe hot take. Awesome. I real again, as somebody who despises the thing, like, literally, almost every moment they're there, I'm, like, rolling my eyes, like, really? You're showing me them walking around the jungle picking up coins instead of literally anything else? Like, mm-hmm. show me them eating peanut butter over this, but I love that Sandra just basically showed up, was like, screw you guys. I'm out. Like <laughs> she like she like apologized or whatever a little bit. She explained what happened, gave her like duty as a juror or whatever to be like, look, Denise played really well. I overtrusted her. Bye. Love it. Yeah. I know it's tricky because like I think there's some who would say as a player you have to play until you literally can't anymore. But on the other hand, it's are you approaching this game from sort of a like usefulness perspective? And for Sandra, yeah, it's not useful for her to stay in another 23 days. Like, her chances of winning a challenge are low. And I think that edit bolsters this. The edit wants you to be on Sandra's side. And I think ultimately I am. I think it is a tricky line to tread, though, because there are a lot of people who are like, quitters are terrible. And I don't know, this is kind of technically a quit, but definitely a very reasonable one. To me, it boils down to like, if this was like she signed, like they called up and they were like, Sandra, do you want to play Survivor Edge of Extinction? And she's like, Yes, absolutely. And then she quits. I think it's maybe a little different than here right now. Mm-hmm. When you watch the preseason, they clearly had no idea it was going to be Edge of Extinction. Yeah. Like, they're all talking about how stupid it was, like, except for all the ones that apparently really wanted it. But like Sandra's one of them. She comes out pretty blatantly saying she thinks it's stupid and she would never do it. Mm-hmm. I like that she stood by that. She's like, Yeah, I'm not even going to entertain it. I know the challenge is probably tomorrow. I'm still not going to do it because it's stupid and bad. Bye. <laughs> I I really appreciate that myself. Um, it's probably what I would have done if I got voted out. I don't know. if I was Maybe if I was Sandra. The other thing, though, that I think is fascinating, and I think this is something I want to explore a little bit, because most of the discussion is like, is she a quitter or not? And I think, to me, it doesn't matter. I don't blame her for quitting in this case, where I right. blame most quitters. Most quitters suck. In this right. case, I get it. Like, she wasn't going to come back. And it's just like, honestly, you know that, like, at least five of these people are probably wishing they were as, like, courageous as yeah. Sandra. Gutsy. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like is Danny thinking, like, oh, I'm totally going to go back in and win? And she's probably like, I, I want to get out of here, but I don't want to get flamed on Twitter. <laughs> and Amber and Ethan, et cetera, are all also thinking that. Um, but, like, I think that's the thing. is like, you know some of these people. I guess this is actually kind of an athletic group. Like, to be honest, like Danny's like a super athletic person. Um, Amber won a couple challenges. Ethan's a former professional soccer player. Like, I guess it is kind of an athletic group in Sandra, but yeah. like you have to imagine somebody's like, I'm, I'm, I'm like Amber probably is like, I'm not coming back. My husband is 
Yeah, Amber has a pretty rough time, I imagine. Because, like, not only is she probably the physically weakest out there, like, she also has someone who could get back in and is helped by her being there. Yeah. Like, just as an added person. So, yeah, Amber, I think, is the next one on the totem pole. And then I think for everyone else, it's like, oh, well, if I can be Amber, I can do anything. (laughs) So um yeah yeah that's the thing is i just think like i i do think that they're probably wishing they were as fearless as her and Mm -hmm. they just aren't like sandra is kind of a one in a kind in that way right and i think the most interesting thing to me is the fact that like so many people were like oh no matter what we're gonna see sandra on the jury for the first time we're not (laughs) sandra's gonna leave is still never a juror wow that's pretty awesome i must say but i think it also speaks to a difference between sandra and most other players to me i'm a game bot nerd right like to me it's all about the strategy like if i lose i want the next best player to win i Mm want to evaluate it on that principle um i care a lot about kind of game theory sandra and her four seasons has never given a crap about game theory or like a lot of the theoretical stuff that like most, a lot of quote unquote new school players do like making the jury. Like even last season, like Rob's like, Sandra, have you ever felt bad voting somebody out? And she's like, Nope, I vote them out. And that's it. Mm -hmm. She's somebody who she doesn't care that much about like the pretenses. Yeah. And here's versus villains. Her speech isn't, I played better. It's you guys were dumb. You should have voted, voted with me and you didn't. This guy sucks. Vote me. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) very different like most people kind of pitch their why they like they position themselves most uh, best and all that kind of stuff she doesn't she just pretty cuts the pretenses i love that she doesn't give a crap about being on the jury i think that's something that honestly like probably one of a kind here like even parvati and uh ethan are talking about this is like i guess i left pre-merge that's wild Mm -hmm. sandra doesn't give a crap she's like yeah i didn't win bye right i love that that'd be amazing <laughs> you go, Sandra. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, not a a, extinction. Not a great showing for her, but <laughs> no, no. Like, and that's the thing is, I mean, we caught it pretty early on that this was going to be a tragic tale for Sandra with all the like mm-hmm. negative music and like buffoonery she was shown doing. Um, yeah, like I don't know. <laughs> so uh, to me, I was a little bit desensitized to like. I guess right. if I didn't expect that stuff, I would be a little bit more like, oh my god, she played terribly, and then she quit right after. I get that impulse to be mad kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah but looking like, at I, yeah looking at my chart i never had a higher than 17th Ooh. in terms of winning chances so yeah that's yeah. wild yeah that I, I was expected a tragic end anyway mm-hmm, for sure i didn't think she'd stay around but because it's i should have probably thought like she do, probably does not care about being a juror mm-hmm. and really that's why all these people are staying right so that's edge of extinction mm-hmm. let's move on to the game proper starting with the yara tribe where we'll start with Adam. How did you make of Adam's winner chances in this episode, Joseph? Mm, not great. <laughs> Just like he looks even more annoyed than he has been before. Just so done with Ben. So done with the game. He's clearly a big character, but like, I think I'm sort of finally fading off like this mysterious, is it a winner's edit or isn't it? And now it's just big character who is just annoyed yeah this is one yeah like this is one where like i am actually pretty proud of the fact that i've never considered him above like 15th like he's so uh, like everything about his character is that he's a child like that's his characterization is like like even down to bickering with ben and like doing like like fake voices and stuff like (laughs) mocking each other like (laughs) when ben walks away and he's like 
he's so annoying. Like, <laughs> Adam is so funny. He's so bizarre. Like, he's so childlike. And so, like, every time you see him, he has, like, this scowl on his face. Like, mm-hmm. he looks like he's having a miserable time. Like, he's groaning and, like, eye-rolling, pouting. He's so funny. His confessionals are also so cocky. Like, <laughs> I love it. Like, he's so fun to watch he, this is the character that you love to hate like i tune every and tune in every week eagerly anticipating the scene where the editors will dunk on adam like literally just make him look like a fool right you could not have edited this whole um like adventure of adam looking stupid more to make adam look stupid than they did <laughs> like they they remind us reminded us multiple times he has it, or that uh, Sophie has it. They have him multiple times say, it has to be Ben or Sarah. Mm-hmm. Like, the only person who has his back is Ben, and Adam can't stand Ben. Like, the whole thing was a clown fiesta to make Adam look super stupid. For sure. I mean, that is just a huge thing. Is like, if you are unsure what Adam contained up until now, like, this one was so blatant in that it was like, Adam thinks one thing, but actually... It is not true. And in fact, it's the opposite. It's the one conclusion he doesn't consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just reiterate it to over and over for the one segment. Yara. Yeah. yeah. The only story that matters on Yara, apparently, is that Adam's in over his head. Like he's mm-hmm. like the pariah. No one wants to talk to him because when they do, he belittles them. Like literally Ben walks over. He's like, do you have it? And he's like, I don't want you <laughs> asking that. I don't like your tone. Your tone is pointed. Like, <laughs> literally an insane level of, like, ba- that's gotta be, like, ba- just straight-up bad social play. Like, you should never say that you don't like someone's tone, right, in Survivor? Mm, I think so. Like, yeah, I want to like Bloomberg and be like, add calling people's tone out as rule number one of Survivor, actually. Sure, it's like, don't call it out to them, but, like, point it out to other people. Mm-hmm. Like... Like, Chrissy shouldn't have told Ben, you're steamrolling people. She should have used that. I mean, she did try, though. (laughs) They all tried. Yeah, they can't end on Chrissy for not trying to get that out. (laughs) Or the entire cast. But Mm -hmm. my favorite thing about this episode actually was when Adam was like, um, he said something along the lines of like, I could be wrong, but there's very few times where I've been less or have been not as sure that something's going on here. Like, he really um gr- like adds a lot of grandeur to what he's saying mm-hmm. in a way that he really sounded like a survivor podcaster like he's trying to make a very declarative statement by being like sure i could be wrong but there's very few universes sure that this is the case right so I was very like i don't know like sh- he's such a good confessionalist for that reason because he's so expressive mm-hmm. to his core like it's what he's one of those people where it's like the camera reads every emotion and you can just know he's miserable. Like, he's so... He's, right. He's pissed off all the time. Expressive and definite. Like, he's talking very definitively, which opens the door for him to be so, so wrong, but it makes out. It makes for very confident, well-spoken confessionals. Yeah, like if, if he's you, right, he sounds smart. And even if you're wrong, you're at least, like, doing it well. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess Adam is not doing well or doing wrong well, but like he's it sounds like he is. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. he's like he's somebody who you like he's like even if you're wrong, just say it really confidently because people might just assume you're right, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, maybe a hot take. Joe, do you is Adam not like the luckiest dude in the entire world where 
they he wins like he literally in my opinion at this point in hindsight made a terrible play voting at boston rob because he was 100 percent getting out if they win again yeah and i mean also getting voted out on sale yeah like so. is adam not playing like low-key a terrible game like <laughs> he's like the he, anti-nick yeah he's the anti-nick and it's almost the same problem where we saw in Sele, he decides to leak to Sophie that he thinks Sarah has the advantage. You don't think they're close? <laughs> like, he's leaking information again that's, like, man literally got blown up in public by mm-hmm. Sarah. And I think if you want to believe Adam is your winner, there's a world where they do this sort of, like, they did Tommy, and that the Yara segment this time is all about how Adam needs to go. Mm-hmm. It was just like Adam is wrong. It wasn't necessarily Adam needs to go. Yeah, they put him in the position of power, right? Like he was our protagonist here. Mm-hmm. He right. was just terrible and wrong on everything. Right. Which is not how they show that. Like, you're right. They would show like he's trying his best, but escaping by the skin of his teeth. Mm-hmm. I guess that brings us to Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, ben was so funny. I'm so, okay. Hindsight 2020. I, for many years, have said that I wish that Chris, Ryan, or Devin would one triple h i take it back ben amazing character he's so funny thank god he's on this season he wouldn't be on this if like if i I love chrissy chrissy would be nowhere near as exciting and interesting as ben is on this season Mm, he's awesome i i disagree with that i don't know i'm still firmly in the camp where like ben's contribution to the season is not worth him winning triple h Especially but in that way. If I could get him on a returnee season with a lot, bunch of really good players, I'd, I guess I'd still prefer Chrissy to win because, like, she's the best. But Great. I don't know. Ben is so fun on this season. He's really, really, really fun. I love <laughs> him and Adam is so funny. And they've done such a good job where from episode one, we know that Ben really, really likes Adam. And Adam can't stand him. Like, literally despises him to his core. And it's just so fun where it's Ben's story is, as he said last week, he likes working with good people. And he thinks Adam's a good person. He thinks Sarah's a good person. He thinks Sophie's a good person. He's just like a golden retriever. He's just like, I, I'll help you find the idols. I'll, uh, like, yeah. I also love the weird character quirk of him just knowing every spot that an idol's ever been found at. Like, <laughs> he's like, Rick Devins found one above the yeah. tree. Um, Joe found one underneath the tree in a clay pot. And it's like, there's Survivor super fans. Who know like everything that's ever happened, and I'm sure they don't know this stuff. Like, right? It's like Ben's a super fan, but only about this one small aspect of Survivor and knows nothing else. <laughs> well, I mean, it was pretty helpful to him. Yeah, yeah. There is this hilarious like tonal mismatch where like Adam is legitimately like angry with Ben about his tone, and then Ben mockingly changes his tone, and then like <laughs> sl- like slaps Adam on the back, being like, "It's okay." It's just a joke. And then that's when Adam is like, he's so annoying. <laughs> that's what makes it so funny, right? Is Ben is SpongeBob and Adam Squidward. <laughs> like straight up. Like Adam, everything is miserable. It's ruining his day. He just wants to play his clarinet or like sit on the beach scowling. He's like having a perfect day. And then Ben comes over and it's annoying. Like <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's so good. Definitely my favorite duo. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, they're just so funny. The other thing, though, is, like, I'm sure Ben is, like, I'm not going home if we lose, so. Right. <laughs> Making sure Adam doesn't have the idol is pretty much all he cares about. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are, like, thinking that Ben can win this chances? Me? Yeah. Honestly, if he was on the Red Tribe at the start, he'd be 
like number three for me. Like his edit's pretty dang good, pretty gosh darn dad gone good. But I don't know. Like to me, he's he's probably number five. Hmm. I I wouldn't put him on my chart though, and like I'll post my chart this week. But like, yeah, no, I I, I think Ben's edit's good. It, it has a good foundation, has a good story. It's very similar to Michelle's in a way, where it's like he wants to show he can change his game. But I just think like it's not quite there, right? I think the big thing that sort of swayed me is that this post swap has been, I think, not so great for him. Like, yeah, he's obviously winning versus Adam, but I still don't think he's being presented as the best. It still kind of seems like Sarah and Sophie dupe this tribe and then both Ben and Adam are lackeys. Yeah. So. No, you're yeah. right. It's like, so how, this was the story of like how Sophie and Sarah were able to over massively overcome and humiliate mm-hmm. a majority. Right. And I still really need something to replace that like swell of content he got from being versus Rob now that that's not a thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe that comes back. Maybe Rob returns and it's Ben versus Rob all over again. That's the thing yeah. is like, Ben has, like, to me, he's above a lot. Like, he's above Adam. He's above almost all of DeCall. He's above Nick, Wendell. Like, that puts him in the top half. Hmm. I have him a bit lower. I actually have him below most of DeCall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I don't know. He also has that bond with Denise, and they're going to meet back up. That weird Denise-Adam-Ben triangle is going to reunite. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's weird to think about Sele especially coming back together and like, are they going to work together? Or like, what's going to happen? Because they were so yeah. fractured. But it was old school versus new school there, and all the old school people are gone. So maybe. And they are like five of twelve, right? Yeah. And I mean, if the returnee is one of them, there's six they, of twelve. They bring in Sarah and Sophie. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Very possible. Merge is wild. I kind of hate merge because it's such a mess, but it's certainly wild. And I really hope next week's two hours. Eh. Don't know if it is, but yeah, no, that, that's all I have for Ben. Mm-hmm. I really like him. I think I hope I, I guess I'll go with this actually before we move on. I think he's on finale night. I think he goes really, really far. See, I think as we go through people, I'm sort of thinking more of like, who's the merge boot. I feel like it could be so many different people. Oh like, Yeah. Ben's up there. Adam's up there. Um, Adam was in the uh, in the next time on though. Yeah, it gives me. Uh, I'm like, Ugh. like they said, let's vote on Adam. I don't. Oh, I don't, think... Mm, I don't think that means you're totally immune. No, it doesn't. But we'll see. I feel like there's actually no conclusive. Like I feel like it's there's right. no real correlation there. Right. But yeah, I bet you Ben could be the merge boot. You're right. Like I feel like he's merge boot or is in the finale. I'll say mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That brings us to Sarah. Mm-hmm. Who, for the, I mean, all season she's been fun, jokey Sarah. I think this is the first time we've seen, like, Officer Sarah. <laughs> like, Spicy Sarah. Yeah, she was reaming Adam out. Like, <laughs> she looked so mad. Like, she was fuming. She was cutting into him. I liked, like, I am a Sarah lover. Bring her back again, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Three times she's played, three times she's been an outstanding character. I love it. And I think different ways. Mm-hmm. like the first time she was like sort of like a like every woman who like flamed out at the merge her second time she was like an icy game bot who won it all and this time she's like funny and like a fun character so yeah now she's like the one that ev- like when you read the game changers postseason stuff and everyone's like 
Sarah is the funniest human in the world. I love her. Like I would <laughs> die for Sarah. And you're like, she just seemed kind of mean on the show. <laughs> like why, why, why does everyone love her? And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is the actual Sarah. Like what we're right. seeing now where she can be a little aggressive, but she's funny and she's goofy. Mm-hmm. And like, I, would I say- love her. She's in, like, remember the preseason where Sarah was doomed? And now I would say she's in such a good spot. Like, just this tribe aside, like, she obviously has everyone here. Tony, Yule gave her a token. Like, wild. Yeah. Like, she has Tony. She has Sophie. She has a good bond with Ben. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, not a good bond with Adam, but, um, (laughs) like, even Kim, she probably has an okay bond with. Right. Like, I don't know, like, and especially considering she was doomed, you're right. Like, how many people put up that they want her out first? Mm-hmm. I think Sarah's showing that she's one of the best players to ever play Survivor. Right. Like, I really think she is. If you're going to give anybody, a, like, plus five or something in the, your rankings, I think it has to be Sarah, who in back-to-back seasons has shown a ridiculous ability to get everybody on her side. Mm-hmm. Except Adam, I guess. And that's a good problem to have, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like once she like learned that like she can't be a flip flopper president, like she revealed their like best form. And yeah. And has this power to just make it so far. Yeah. And the other thing is like if you listen to like postseason stuff about Kagiyan, apparently Sarah was like one of the more like respected and Oh, like, for sure. You know what I mean? Like people talked about her as like a really good player. We on the show we got like cartoon Sarah, but Well, I don't even think we got that. I think we we're all sort of shocked when that's what happened at the merge mm-hmm. is Sarah turned into this power hungry person in the middle. I think before that she was like this narrator who people could relate to. Yeah. But she was shown like randomly believing Tony's lies. And like there was that part of it that was a little weird. Oh, sure. Yeah. But even like Cass, like she, why did she vote at Sarah? Like, why was that the move? Because Sarah was really well respected and was going to win or whatever, right? Like, yeah. Like, right. She's played really well every time. Sometimes mm-hmm. good players leave early in the merge. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that's very true. Like, some, I think well, that's. Yes. I, I think that is true. I'm debating whether Sarah was a good player as a Kagiyan. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, obviously, because, mm-hmm. but like, people, like, everyone was super positive about her leaving that season. Like, right. They talked about her like they saw her that way. You're right. Like she dropped the ball. Obviously, <laughs> she was yeah. not the president. But yeah, I don't know. That said, okay, maybe hot take, and I'll get to this when I get to Sophie too. Is Yara gonna be the final six? I mean, <laughs> that sounded really. Well. Uh, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Uh, um, I mean, <laughs> truly but, uh, the hottest takes on this podcast. These no four people will be the final six. I mean, remember last week when I said only one person was going to win? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. No, math is hard, but um, I mean, minus Adam, maybe. Like, I think there's a chance Adam gets clipped sooner rather than later. But I would say at least Ben, Sarah, and Sophie. I feel like yeah. I'll say all three of them are in the final seven. Yeah, they all feel like they have the potential to go far. I would say Sarah and Sophie for sure. I'm hesitant on Ben. It's mm-hmm. almost I think Sarah and Sophie can flip together to whatever group True. is in power. They I, have the power of this game, right? Like, I think, yeah. I think I, wherever they land is sort of who's going to be in power. Agreed. I do think, like honestly, the only reason... If, like, if Sophie got voted out next week, I would raise Sarah 
Like right now, I think I have Sophie number one. I think I would raise Sarah to number one if Sophie were to get voted out. Mm-hmm. And like vice versa. I have her at number three right now, but not like chart worthy. But I don't know. I'm kind of thinking she fits really well with sort of the building relationships theme. Yeah. Because we've seen her build all these relationships. And as all the old schoolers who apparently value that have fallen out of the picture, like she looks really good. It's just, it started really weak. And I talked about that last week is how we're sort of framing the picture around Sarah as opposed to her filling in and on her own. You're right. That is, I guess, the weird thing for Sarah is that her story is that she's the one connected to all the other winner contenders. Like, Mm -hmm. she has a really strong bond with Tyson. The only real strong bond Tyson has. She's really connected to Sophie. She was, and I guess still is, very connected to Tony. She's the connective tissue, and Ewell, right? Like, she's the connective tissue there. Um, Mm -hmm. And... I honestly think that's probably going to be our dominant merge faction. Those people. Mm -hmm. Maybe minus Tyson. And then I feel like they'll go far together with Sarah as the lead kind of thing. The problem is that Sophie exists. And like you said last week, only one can win. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And Sophie's edit is just better right now. Mm -hmm. But it's close, but it's close enough that Sophie existing as a smaller personality than Sarah like, Sophie isn't as fun as Sarah, straight up. So I think that's why we get, like, that's why, to me, I, I put Sophie above. Yeah, I mean, we're getting sort of good Sophie content. Like, the like what makes Sophie a good character to watch? Like, we're getting that. Um, as opposed to Sarah, we're not really getting, we're getting fun content from her, but not necessarily in her vein of how she'd play the game, you know? Yeah. No, it's like the problem is right now, Sophie's or sorry, Sarah is everybody's number two. Mm-hmm. Like or like maybe maybe their number one, but like it isn't the story of how Sarah has all these number ones. It's the story of how she happened coincidentally is Tony's number one and is Sophie's number one and is Tyson's number one. It isn't like you can imagine an alternate world where she's like, I'm controlling everybody. I have Sophie and Tony and but it's not it's like Tony narrates the confessional about how he is Sarah right Sophie vice versa it's like she happens I I think the thing is what we're seeing Sarah's playing the best game she's not getting the best edit Mm -hmm. so that's I guess my take there let's move to Sophie yep really good episode for Sophie I thought I thought Um, she had an amazing confessional where she's like for the first time ever in Survivor we have leftovers I hope the peanut butter can stick us together very clever Sophie um because peanut butter is sticky in case you haven't had it. <laughs> the, the emergence still of this weird peanut butter theme. Like, yeah, we should have mentioned that, to be honest. Well, I don't. Mm, it's like a peanut butter motif. Yeah, it's a peanut butter motif. But like Tyson says, most people don't realize how important peanut butter is. Sophie does. And I think it's really nicely sort of bookended at the end of their segment. And that's like, come on, guys, let's just enjoy our peanut butter sandwiches. Top dog. Yeah. Like, there's this weird, like, sunshine and rainbow Sophie that we saw this episode. Even though, like, she's sort of the reason there's all this drama. <laughs> because yeah. she has an idol that Adam doesn't believe she has. So, And I think this is another thing that points to the disparity between Sophie on the beach versus Sophie were being shown. Mm-hmm. Like, like, obviously, earlier in the season, Tyson couldn't even name her. Here, Adam's not even considering she could have one. Right. I don't think they respect her very much on the beach but mm-hmm. we're being shown her is very powerful and strong and the kim stuff too there is like a weird branch between what we see in camp life and then how 
she talks about it. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. I don't think you could edit this to look better for Sophie, to be honest. Whereas like Ben and Ben doesn't know she has it. Sarah does. And Sarah's willing to look like a little bit of a aggressor to defend Sophie. Right. Yeah. It's still like shades of Tommy where she is sort of not necessarily the one who appears to be in control, but the edit is kind of telling us she is very much a main player. Yeah. Like literally it's going to be like, she's going to get confessional being like, I'm an underdog. And are you I, I think another interesting tommy comparison there you will just got voted out just like jack did in the same spot mm-hmm. i think that's and very interesting i think a lot of people came off this episode thinking with you all going it was really bad sort of just draw and i'm thinking a there's the jack comparison b like they bonded in the first episode but i don't know if it was so tight that it's something to be concerned about it was not like she explicitly it, like we didn't even get a scene of them being like we're the best of friends it was right from its inception sophie saying i want you all around because he's smarter than me and people won't look at me if he's here Mm -hmm. it wasn't like we're the best of friends we're going to the final two yeah and that just sort of fits in with how she's been presented where people aren't looking at her tyson forgets her adam doesn't think she has the idol stuff like that yeah so yeah i don't think it's as bad as you might think just, oh, this story drops and there's no resolution. Which also, like, it's modern Survivor. It's not afraid to not resolve its stories, for yeah. better or for worse. And, I mean, straight up flashback to six months or whatever uh, Island of the Idols was airing. Us and many others, like, we were we were pretty solid on Tommy the whole season. The one time where we dropped him to number two was the same moment. When Jack left and we're like, no for explanation? Sure. Really? I guess Kelly's gonna win. Right. That was the one moment <laughs> because mm-hmm. we overplayed how much he should have talked about Jack leaving. I think sometimes yeah. I think they just are fine with that now. They're like, winner doesn't have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And especially like, I don't know, like there's too many similarities there. Previously in this uh, podcast series, we've talked about how Tony's episode one confessional where he's lowering his arm represents his story mm-hmm. in a way like like people are not expecting him and all that kind of stuff. Sophie's too. Like, you're right. The fact that people are forgetting her aren't considering she has the idol, etc., is a representation of her story of hiding behind people who are smarter than her so they yeah. won't notice her. Like, it's yeah. the same thing. Yep. And, like, we literally saw this with Sarah in this episode. Like, she was literally hiding behind Sarah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a um crazy one out there. But, yeah, like, to me, I think... I leave this episode with Sophie as my number one winner contender, but it is close between three people. Yeah. I mean, it's always between Tyson and Sophie. And I think Tyson is just stuck in this holding pattern where I'm not not going to see it until it doesn't happen, which is bad for uh, <laughs> someone making predictions. But I guess I'm talking about everyone. So hopefully if I'm wrong, at least you got content about everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing is like, um, I guess you could see, see a world where Sophie fi- like maybe fails to recover, but you also look at the numbers in the game and like we said, like I think Sarah and Sophie are actually going to have the most power come the merge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so I can't even see her getting clipped early or anything like that. Right. I don't know. Really good for Sophie. Really fun character episode for her too. Mm-hmm. As think- like the, the mastermind no one sees. Yeah. And it's almost like sort of adopting, which maybe this is bad or good, but adopting sort of Yule's philosophy on it, where he wanted to spend the days you didn't go to tribal council in a positive state. And Sophie's trying to do that. It's not working per se, but I think it's a good outlook. Yeah. And um, again, in a season where a lot of people have gone, 
less visible. Shockingly, Sophie's one of our few people who every episode has something. Like, there's a couple moments when she went a little quiet, but, like, you mm-hmm. still had Ben calling her a good person, or the one episode where she's like, Edge of Extinction is like prison. Like, you just watch them, and it's miserable. Stuff like that, mm-hmm. I don't think necessarily gets shown if she doesn't do well. Right. They want to remind us, hey, she's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad to have Sophie as a top contender. I would, I guess my disappointment in her winning would be in that it's going to be very similar to Tommy almost, which yeah. is bizarre and weird that they would do it twice. But we'll have, we have yet to see if that's right. And the other, I guess the other thing I want to talk about with Sophie quick is, like I said, like the one where I'm like, when we're talking about old school versus new school, Sophie is now our most old school. Mm-hmm. they could draw attention to that, right? Like, she still played 10 seasons or above some of these people. So that's something, right? Um, additionally, the seasons she won, there was no swap. It, it was pretty much as old school Survivor as new school Survivor could be in South Pacific. Right. So that could also be a race for her. Like, uh-huh. this is the kind of stuff you can see at a final tribal. Like Also me, a, P- a Pagong. Yeah, it was a straight up Pagong. Um, she's playing differently this time. She told us she's the devil. Like, I, I, you can kind of see the FTC argument where she is like, hey, old schoolers, like, I played like you guys. Like, I I can't remember. I don't think she had an idol in the season. I remember, though. Um, yeah, I don't think she did. But yeah, like, like, I think she has a lot of credibility to the old schoolers that mm. a lot of these people might not have. Right. So that's the Yara tribe. Probably the complex tribe. Like, I could see Sarah Ben or Sophie win. You know, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I think I think you're right in that when it's this three tribe swap. It gets really tricky because mm-hmm. it's everyone is on these tight, small number dynamics and feels like every moment counts and is complex. So, yeah. So that brings us to Decal, And we start with our girl, Denise, mm-hmm. who has apparently rocketed up the threat level. Right. And a lot of people, I think, are also thinking like an underrated winner candidate. I don't know. I don't see it. I don't I see it. There's too many gaps in everything that came before this. Like. These two episodes are good, but there's a lot missing in those first four or five. And in a way, you could argue that's like a clever storytelling trick, right? Like you show her less and show her make some fumbles and stuff like that to emphasize that when she wakes up, she wakes up and she never like slows down. Mm-hmm. That would be a fun way to tell this story. She did have an OK premiere. Like she got to talk about Matt Singh curse and all that. I do think, though, that what we're actually seeing is a good reason she's going to get voted out in like two weeks. Because she is a th- now. Yeah, she's too much of a threat. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There really aren't that many left. Like, if you look at people in the game who are, like, labeled as threats, it's literally, like... This tribe. <laughs> this tribe. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is literally this tribe. <laughs> like, every one of them is, like, threat or new threat. <laughs> yeah, straight up. You're right. Like, But even there, Kim has been kind of cut out at the knees. She, people keep telling us she's a threat. But the story is like, is she? Yeah. And I think that's kind of true of a lot mm. of these people is there's a problem where I, I just don't think the story is going how Denise reverses her fortune and goes on to win. Like it just, mm-hmm. it seems like a wild departure from what we're seeing. And it would require straight up the rest of the episodes being like these two in a way right. I just don't see. Like, I think they actually would have to super back up Denise because mm-hmm. they've told us that she was a bad winner when she wasn't at all in philippines she's a very good winner in philippines Mm -hmm. yeah i think how i feel to call is they're either they're all sort of in the same boat and they're all going to be either early merge or like a few of them are losing finalists 
that's possible. Like, I guess, do you think it's possible that Denise, after this, still makes it to final tribal council and still loses? No. You don't think so? Hmm. I don't. Unless it's against these other people. Like, if it's Denise, Jeremy, Kim, Tony, final four, I could, like, I mean, in this episode, like, Jeremy said, Tony thinks Denise is the biggest threat, but it's him. Like, if it's Tony and Denise, I guess I could see it. True. Every hmm. other world, I could not. Okay. Hmm. I don't know who else she could lose against who's left here. Like To me, um, it's just like, Denise, she's going to get voted out for being too much of a threat at some point, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think she has that much longevity. She doesn't really have a story anymore other than she's emerged. Yeah. Yeah, I think the way to lean here is that this is just a doomed tribe as opposed to people with potential. The one interesting thing here is that we leave this episode with this very tight three that I mm-hmm. thought, and uh, this is going to be a moment where I shout out for friend of the podcast, Spencer, who was on a couple weeks ago, who wanted me to say, um, where did this super tight three of Kim, Denise, and Jeremy come from? Where was it when Denise was about to get unanimously voted out by these same people? Which, <laughs> good point. Right. This was established as like Denise being like, me, Kim, and Jeremy, we get each other always have each other's back as if they didn't just vote her out like seconds ago Mm -hmm. yeah i I guess if we're going back to yara and complex tribe theory for a little bit looking at these three tribes i think the other two have weird sort of gaps in the logic of how they are structured strategically whereas yara makes sense yes um so yeah decal's problem is that these three just sort of come together Kim, we'll get to Kim, but like she's supposedly in this middle position and then she is the leader of this three. I don't know. It's it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> the other weird thing is we have this three. Are we supposed to think Tony was getting voted out because the episode did not show that at mm. all? Right? Like, yeah. Theoretically, I, if there's a three <laughs> on a tribe and there are four people and they could go to tribal, <laughs> you'd think Tony would get voted out. I don't episode think that at literally all. was like, there's three of us. Us three are together. We're all together, right? And, like, never said anything about, like, if they go to tribal, Tony's getting voted out. Yeah. Even though it was at all. purportedly, according to the edit, pre-immunity challenge. So, like, they could have that discussion. Yeah. Which, granted, it does seem very, very likely. And I think we saw that with all the pre-tribal content for all the tribes. They all thought they were merging. Mm. Like, literally, that's why Sarah's going after Adam. She's like, we're going into the merge, and you're telling people I have an idol? Like, screw you, dude. Like, <laughs> like that's what she's yelling about, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think they all thought they were going to merge, so like, I, I give that some pass. But still, like, you'd think a tight three plus another. Like, they didn't even really say that. They were like, yeah, this is a tight three. Oh, and Tony's pretty cool, too. <laughs> He's funny, and he's a, such a big threat. Very weird. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I got the vibe that he probably wouldn't have got voted out, but I don't know. I think he would have got voted out, but we were just never told that was the case. Poor Tony. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. That's Denise. Weird episode. I didn't know, like, I think quali- like in some aspects good, but it didn't raise her for me at all. I mean, probably if I had, like, a solid, like, statistic number that I raised and lowered from episode to episode. I think it would make Denise's number higher, but it doesn't really make her any better in the scheme of things. Yeah, that's that's probably a fair point. Brings us to Jeremy. I thought he, was, he had a good episode. So uh, pre-recording, we were discussing how five people in contention, and at the <gasps> end of this long, long pre-merge journey, which I have 
pan Jeremy episode to episode. I might kind of be on the Jeremy train now. No way. <laughs> no way. You don't so think you're telling so? me all these weeks I've been like, I think <laughs> everyone's sleeping on Jeremy. Like, I think he's got better content than you'd think. Like, he's literally the only one who's, I'm gonna quickly double check. Him and Tony are the only ones who have literally like a quality episode every single time. Like, like in terms of yeah. no UTR. That's this episode like. was UTR, but it was this also the episode that did it. Exactly. So that's, and he still had content in this episode. Right, content. right. But you're telling me that after all this time and you're being like, I just don't see it. Like, no, like, there's no way that now is the time you're saying that Jeremy is number five. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. I think there's one of the potential paths an edit can take is it's just me saying, I don't see it. I don't see it until it reaches a point where there's so many like good bits that it's just so weird that I'm like, well, something's going on here, right? I don't know. Just the consistent, like, not in the wrong sort of mindset jeremy it feels weird like i don't know what they're doing throwing me off and so yeah i'm considering him not very highly but i feel where we're at he he has one of the most interesting edits that i think could still develop into something see this is so weird because i think this is the first episode where i've been like never mind <laughs> <laughs> he's gone <laughs> hmm. so that's something i don't know um to me, I think Jeremy, I, I'll go on this tangent, I guess. Other than Sarah might be playing the best game. Um, mm -hmm. Like every tribe he's been on, he's got his way by the end. And you believe that he probably had a tight grasp on the tribe. Like he probably picked whoever left on Cell A. He probably picked whoever left here. Because he had that bond with Kimmy, he had that bond with Denise. Right. Killer. And it seems more Denise to Jeremy, Jeremy to Kim, than like Jeremy seems like the middle there. Mm-hmm. That said, I don't know, this episode was... I mean, I guess if he goes far with Tony, and I, I had some problems with the way he talked about Tony. He was like, Tony thinks that Denise is now the biggest person, but Tony, you're still, like, bigger than Denise. But then there's no concept of... Like, to me, I would have considered Jeremy if this... Right after that, he said, and that's why I want to keep Jer Tony in, or, like, I want to, Tony to be my meat shield, or something. Hmm. But he, didn't, he kind of just ended his thought there mm -hmm. like, it felt like an incomplete thought but also on the flip last week was the uh gun draw episode right like the right that part felt left in unnecessarily to the rest of the confession i think you're right that there's something weird going on where there is special attention to make sure that we know jeremy's thought process mm -hmm. like we said we always his content was never the most complex but we always knew sort of where exactly he was in the game mm -hmm. there's no personal content though like stuff like that like those basic checks that's true. Mm. But maybe it's like, I mean, if you watch Survivor Cambodia Second Chances, it was just personal content from Jeremy, right? Like, maybe they shy away from that. And I feel like this is definitely different from what you were expecting Jeremy to have. As yeah. So, I know. I think another potential avenue is the merch boot. Like, yes. it feels very Elizabeth, David versus Goliath. Like, got consistent content and then was voted out. And, I mean, there are some interesting things where... He's obviously close to Michelle. He's close to Denise. These are like the two icon queen goddesses that mm -hmm. have emerged from the shadows to be big players now. And they're both coincidentally his allies. Like, that's something that's good for him. Right. Maybe he's the hyena to two right. new lions. He does laugh a lot in confessional. Like they they air him laughing a lot. Hmm. Whoa. Mm, hyenas laugh a lot. 
That is a wild conspiracy theory. We solved it. I don't know. To me, Jeremy is not that low, but honestly, it's because there's so many people here I'm not considering. Mm -hmm, For sure. Like, I'm not considering Denise. So he's above Denise. Not considering our next person, Kim. Uh, We'll get to that there. Aww. And Jeremy's just kind of smack dab in the middle. Like, like it's, he's almost there for me in the spot of like, well, I don't want to be wrong. And like, like <laughs> yeah. I want to say I at least considered him if he wins. Um, I think that's maybe what I've risen up to. Yeah, because honestly, <laughs> like, like straight up, I mean, we have 13 people or 12 people in the game. One person's coming back, arguably two people, maybe three people. So like one, two, three, four, five, five of those people I'm not even considering at all. Some of them I'm considering a very small amount. And Jeremy's above those people. So like, Mm -hmm. that's pretty good. No, he is solidly fourth place for me. Fourth? Yeah, not even fifth. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. But That's fun. I like Jeremy. I hope he wins. My girlfriend would be very happy. He's her favorite ever. He's Definitely needs like ever. a strong merge episode where he doesn't get voted. <laughs> that is, yeah, <laughs> strong, <laughs> a strong episode not voted out. What most of these people are at looking for. Mm-hmm. But no, you're right. Like Jeremy's could still turn around because his story is kind of confusing right now. Like he was working with Sandra. She got voted out. He's working with um, Natalie. Wait. She got voted oh, okay. out. Natalie comes back. That's really good for Jeremy. That's actually probably the, the world where Natalie comes back next week is the one mm-hmm. we all consider Jeremy. Hmm, I don't know. I don't feel especially like Natalie's fate is tied to Jeremy. Or Jeremy's fate, I mean, is tied to Natalie. Hmm. Okay, fanboy. Let's move. (laughs) Move to Kim. Oh, Kim. Not good. I know, if we're going to talk about, like, episodes that just move up the quotient, but don't do anything. Like, this is a good episode for Kim. (laughs) Like, she has a higher percentage, but it's still zero. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Like, Like, she got thinner options line. Kim, I think, is like Jeremy Light, where it's like also weird, but like way weirder. Yeah, Kim's the one where I'm straight up of most of these people. I feel like I have a general idea where I could slot them in. Adam, to me, peak losing finalist, Valley merge boot, right? Like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Kim, they're doing something with her. Mm-hmm. They clearly have a plan for her. <laughs> what it is, I can't tell because it's weird and confusing and self conscious yeah sometimes we're told she's a threat and sometimes we're told she's the dumbest idiot in the world (laughs) for things that worked out well like imagine flashback seven weeks ago uh the day before the show and you're told kim spradlin makes the merge and all the other big threat people like rob and all them are gone and you're like well yeah she's the best yeah (laughs) like you'd picture like a dominant like badass kim spradlin not this like <laughs> mm-hmm. this would have been the last representation of Kim. Right. like if she had got voted out like fourth or something like in the tyson spot or whatever i get this edit mm-hmm. the fact that she's here at the merge i get it less yeah she's a very like mysterious piece to fit in she did get to say she has options yeah which that is her that's her word so we'll see what she does with that. Once again, maybe a merge boot. Yeah, Probably maybe not a, a winner. <laughs> I would love to see it. I'd be so here for it. At merge, it just reverses and it's the Kim Spradlin story again. But <laughs> everyone's just like, Kim Spradlin is my number one ally. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty funny. I don't know. You're right. Merge boot vibes is possible, but she also has an idol that I feel like she's not going to play. Like, I feel like that's one yeah. thing, I guess. I'll walk in. She probably misplays her idol. 
or I mean, leaves with it. Yeah, I think she doesn't play it. Yeah, that's probably very possible. So yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not considering her at all. Like, this would be an insult to Kim if she went with this. For sure. And I don't even know if she can go that far. She could, I guess. Like, she would be. I think her like best like bet is to just be like scooped up by various parties and like then finally meets her due at like the finale, like one of the pre-final tribal council boots. I guess one thing you could say that is always present in her edit is her thinking she's a threat in other people in like the edit or other people kind of invalidating that. Like almost that she has herself at notch nine and really she's the players in the stories telling us she's actually at like notch six you think so i think so i like i think she's done a good job of being like oh i'm in a bad spot (laughs) yeah i'm in a bad spot because i'm a super threat right like i I, i'm trying to think of how to word that Hmm. to make it make sense like i feel like she sees herself and i think this is probably true but the story's telling us that she's not at the tier of like a boston robber but i think her confessionals and stuff point to an idea that she thinks she is at that level and she's being like hunted just like they were but maybe she's not as much of a threat as she thinks Hmm. something like that like the reverse like she almost feels counter to denise where denise is like look i'm better than you think whereas kim's like look i'm worse than you think (laughs) i don't know i like i don't agree with that assessment but i think it's kind of what the episode subtly telling us Mm -hmm. so that's something like kim spradlin losing finalist wouldn't shock me yeah, I do have weird losing violence vibes from her. I don't know if I have that as much as like it, it could happen, but there's a lot of people that could be losing finalists, I think. Right. That's the problem. So that brings us to Tony. To Tony. What do you make of Tony's episode? I thought it was bad. And we talked about how this episode did everything it could to not make it sound like Tony was going home here. I think one of the biggest plays you can do is like right before merge someone would have gone home and they didn't to like showcase that like and not is like a really strong thing for someone if they are the winner so like yeah. the fact that this episode pretty much made you spell it out it's another thing that lowers me on tony like and i already think his edit is like going off the road jeremy saying he's a huge threat like his plan has essentially fallen apart i think he really needs like a refocusing episode at the merge either yeah. it can go like both ways it can go okay i need to figure out a new strategy that's not the one I played before, or I need to play like I did in Kagion and just go go hard and see where it gets me. And maybe that lifts them up, but I'm not sure. Wait, so you have Jeremy above Tony? For sure. Oh, no. So Tony's definitely on my list for winners still. Um, I guess you're right. Like, there is a world where you show, like Tommy, right? Like, he's getting voted out if he doesn't win the immunity challenge. Mm-hmm. Wins the immunity challenge, like, whew. Right. Um, Tony, you're right. He didn't get that. Maybe he wasn't getting voted out. That could be one thing. Um, two, I think there's also a good argument that him being shown not getting voted out is maybe better for him, where the biggest problem with Tony is going to be legitimacy, I guess. Like, if he's going to win at some point, you have it to pivot away from he's crazy man into he's a smart and capable person. I think he is somebody that you can show in less danger than someone like Tommy. Like Tommy's like a every man, chill guy, likable enough, kind of bland. He's like he's like a nothing burger where like you're okay <laughs> with like some like like if, if it's a little overcooked. But like Tony's like like you order octopus or like katamari or something. And if if that's a little burnt or like looks a little fishy, then you stop believe like you don't want to try it. Mm-hmm. You know like <sighs> 
to me, that's the thing with Tony, is he still has all the other stuff. I think you can make a case that he's our only positive character in this season. Like, the other ones I would say that you have who are positive figures are Michelle and Sophie, somewhat Sarah. But I think Tony's the only one where we have, like, like, a character character where he gets these character moments of fun, riveting, goofy stuff, but also strategy. I don't think anybody else crosses both of those bridges. Maybe Michelle, but he's very unique in that aspect where every episode has some goofy Tony moment. Every episode also has some praise or explanation of his game. I think that's very important. It's almost the Jeremy principle first. Like, no one's going to not know who he is based on how they've shown him. Like, even this week, he got the weird sprinting thing. Like, Uh uh-huh. Was that riveting TV? No. It was a man running on a beach. Pretty standard (laughs) stuff. It made air. Like, that's something that, uh, uh, some other scene of Michelle saying something funny or Sophie dancing or something got cut for this for him running that's something he has the bond with sarah i think he hits a lot of the themes in a good way Mm. you're right i think there's a good chance next week and i I think it's possible like usually i don't like to be like well if they get this then i'll and consider now based on a potential future Mm -hmm. but i could easily see him being like oh my god i'm the only threat ah like you will leaving is probably a big deal to tony Mm -hmm. it's like another big player he might now be like i am the only lion time to readjust i don't know it just feels like this episode sort of if you look at all the episodes i mean this was the one where he did something goofy and that he did his little running thing and it didn't work this time like jeremy was like he's still the biggest threat so it is this case where he has strayed so far from where he started and i also don't know if him being this big positive character is necessarily a good thing I mean, we talk about how, like, the most visible character usually isn't the winner pre-merge. And I don't know if Tony is. Adam is. Oh, that makes sense. Well, he's the winner, though, so I'm so confused. Uh, But um, I still think, like, he's really big. And a lot of those episodes have been over the top. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. He feels like a character who had a neat arc that ultimately doesn't work. work. Work in the way... That he wins. I, I think it works in the form of television. and Yeah. But I don't think it leads to his win. Yeah, that's the biggest problem with Tony, though, straight up. He's... I, I want to make sure I'm not speaking out of turn. No, I think this is true. He's probably the most charismatic person on this season. Or at least left. Probably even on the whole season, though. Like, he, he stands out among these other people who are mostly sensible and regular people. Like, because he's not. He, he gives off, like, manic energy in a way that nobody else does. Mm-hmm. Kageyan, his winner at it, is bizarre. Like, he's constantly shown wrong and, like, misunderstanding things, like, making bad moves. But it's almost like what I'm saying Ben could have with his Kageyan at it. Like, this, everyone always, like, discounting him. But at the end of the day, he wins anyway. Like, I, I think I give a little bit more um, rope to Tony than I would give to other people because he does have a clear story. And you're right, the story could be, like, easily how Tony failed to assemble all the threats. And lost for it. Very possible. I just think there is a second chapter here. We'll see. I'm not a believer. <laughs> like it's also like partly like like how great would it be if Tony is our second right, time, like second right. time winner? That would be very good. I would love it. And then you can just like discount game changers as like he intentionally did it to win this one or something. <laughs> well, hot take. If he wins, that take will become common in like some sections of the Reddit community. I'm calling it now. Hmm. That, like, mad genius Tony intentionally flies 
game to dominate this season or whatever. Right. Wild Obviously fourth dimensional chess. Fourth dimensional chess. Yeah. Well, that's Tony. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's my number three. So he he did lower as well for me, but it was honestly mostly other people kind of going higher. Mm-hmm. He's pretty, he's like far down. Not like terribly far down, but like definitely in the, I don't think this is happening tier. But like next week, say he has like an amazing episode. And Survivor Kageon, he wanted not be seen as a cop, but now he's and be a construction worker. But now he's yeah, like he could rebound for you. Yeah, it depends on how he is featured. I mean, True. just how it has all these episodes. But I think last episode was such a big hit, and this episode I didn't think was good. So yeah, I see that. And I mean, in the same mm-hmm. way, where like if Denise has an amazing episode next week, I might, I probably still don't consider her. Like to me, that's another notch right. below. Right, like. There are some people that if they have the best episode of all time next week, I still like if Nick comes out and has like CPPP5, beautiful, mm-hmm. like touching story, he's still not winning. Well, I mean, <gasps> I would say sometimes that doesn't even do it. Like maybe a CPP5 isn't the best thing. Yeah, it know? is. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. whatever, like Nick clearly like, articulates a story to the end of the game. Yeah. Like how I thought this was a good episode for Kim, but I'm like not considering her still. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's Tony, which brings us here to the Sele tribe, where we see, um, I mean, a pretty interesting tribal, I thought, and one that I think we can discuss a lot in detail because I don't think that, um, as Waverly, Wizards of Waverly Place would say, everything is not as it seems here on the Sele mm-hmm. tribe. Would you agree? Right. Yeah. I earlier think... when I was talking about how tribes don't make sense and that's why they're not complex, like what happened on Sele to make it? This way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we got big time lied to here. Mm-hmm. Got bamboozled. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a couple different interesting pathways to go down here. One, obviously, we ac- entered this episode with the idea that Wendell massively screwed up last week. And kind of what we said was kind of true, that he was rubbing people the wrong way. And I think we saw that kind of backed up in confessional. He's like, Michelle, like, I played great. I won. Get over it kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. That said, the fact that we saw that um fire token transfer like oh wait a minute what i think we're actually seeing here is michelle and wendell have just agreed they're working together sure they're annoyed by each other or whatever but mostly they play it up and i think what we saw here i wonder your take michelle and wendell effectively forcing rocks like if you're nick here and you want to keep yule you actually have no world where you can do that because a four-person tiebreaker is rocks between so like if it's wendell and Michelle voting Yule, the most you can do is rock yourself out or rock Michelle out. And you have a 50-50 chance of going home. Hmm. I think we just saw people scared of four-person rocks. Michelle and Wendell forced the issue, and then Nick was kind of just forced to listen. I hadn't thought of that as potential, but that seems like a really big jump from what we actually saw. So that would be pretty insane. I think it was more... Go ahead. We did see um, Michelle go to Wendell and be like, I want to vote with you. And he's like, we have to make this conversation short. Like we're voting you all. Let's do it done. Okay. So I guess my sort of like version of where the lie is, is like, how did Michelle get integrated into this tribe so well that it became where she was in power and Yule and Wendell were on the bottom. Mm. Like that's my sort of question. I think this might be one, the classic case of we've been told in this season that Michelle's a badass and like a ruthless player and right. She's poverty 2.0 on the Mm -hmm. beach. They probably just still think of her as 
shouldn't have won Michelle. You know what I mean? Like, it's like when Nora is the boot in Island of the Idols, everyone's like, ah, well, you could do something more interesting. Sure. Michelle's probably very akin to Nora in terms of reputation at this point. So how did she get saved here? Because I think because... the idea is we were, to- we were expecting this alliance of four to go somewhere. Like, more than just Sophia and Newell, like, it was so shocking that these three specifically split up that alliance. Yeah. So I'm like, how did Michelle worm her way out of that? I on- I think it is one of those things where it's, she was, why why take the shot at Michelle? Hmm. Right? Like, they're like, she's nothing. She's a number. We can rope her in. But who said this? But everybody, I think. I think it's one of those ones where, like, everybody's like, like, remember in Island of the Isles when it was, like, the, I think it was the Molly vote out when both sides were supposed to vote out Nora and said she, like, didn't get votes? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that happens, right? When it's just like, oh, everybody sees her as, like, a goat or whatever. Okay. That's a possibility? Uh, what do I you don't think? know. I just, like, somehow, I guess I read it sort of as the episode played it. And, like, somehow Michelle did get really close to Nick and Yule. And so it did become this thing where it was either Michelle, Nick, and Yule or Michelle, Nick, and Wendell. And they were the swing votes. But, yeah, I don't know... <laughs> How you get there. That's why I think it was probably just Michelle, Michelle and Wendell. Because hmm. the rest of it kind of falls into itself. Nick can't vote against them. Hmm. I don't know. But then why? <laughs> like Michelle and Wendell are then being obscured as being so tight that because then it's like, well, Nick and Yule should just push rocks because Michelle and Wendell obviously aren't tight, but they are. I think <laughs> what we're seeing <laughs> is. So the classic pre-made who pretend to hate each other in public. I think if you flash back most of the time you see them bickering, it's with Nick or Yule beside them. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. Like they are going at it when Yule is sitting right beside them. Mm-hmm. Normally people kind of take this stuff privately. Um, but I think that's one thing. I think they're probably intentionally like they ha- they've made a plan to like agree to fight and maybe this is more what we saw is nick thinks that he can use the fact that they dislike each other to be like the third and be like they will never turn against me because they don't like each other they both like me that's i think the optimistic way to look at this for nick is he sees their bickering is like oh i'm gonna use that so that my allies don't like each other but i think we i think they actually do like each other michelle gave him a fire token for no reason right like that's a pretty big Mm -hmm. deal Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I feel my theory is that Michelle and Nick got close quickly and early on and then just sort of had the power. And if I like, remember correctly, could've... Nick did say that him and Michelle had a pregame alliance Oh, in the preseason. I think he said that. Okay. Well, if that's the case, that's the case. Uh, but yeah, if they vote out Parvati, then they have two and maybe they're the ones forcing. Well, no, they're not forcing <laughs> like Wendell and Yule aren't working together. I don't yeah. know. Any which way, it is not presented, like, transparently. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up, like, that's, to me, this tribe's dead. And I know, like, we'll get to Michelle here in a second. I know this episode made people go, like, Michelle is so obviously winning, it isn't even funny. And this episode Uh made you go, like, ooh, hard, like, awkward look at the camera, like, grimace face. (laughs) (laughs) The Sandra. Yeah, like, I don't know. I guess let's go here now. So, obviously, a huge coming out episode for Michelle. Mm -hmm. I feel like they tried to make this look as good for Michelle as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where the story falls apart. Because I I don't think she probably had a whole lot to do with this. Right. Well, 
Well, I don't know. Um, uh, keep going. I was just <laughs> so was like, but my mind, Michelle, is a swing vote, so I'm like trying to. But yeah, just keep going. And yeah, so I think basically. <laughs> Will probably did realize like, oh, I could just rope in Michelle. Wendell's a little like I want to play a controlling game. Wendell's a little too crazy. Let's just ro- replace Wendell with Michelle. We'll target Wendell. Mistakenly not seeing that Michelle and Wendell were actually very close, and she was just never gonna consider voting him out, which was eventually his downfall. I think Nick kind of made the same miscalculation of like, oh, they must not like each other. So Michelle, are you willing to vote out somebody else? And she's like, yeah, I'll consider it. I'm open. And Nick's like, yeah, I'm open too. What do you mean by that? And she's like, I'm open. I don't think she was ever entertaining the idea of voting out Wendell. Hmm. But I think she just like kind of stood by him. And I think they were doing everything they could, I think, to thread the needle of, you don't want to make it look like she's just blindly following Wendell here. Because that's obviously terrible optics. Like him, like, chast- like uh, being quite aggressive to her at tribal and public, etc. Right. If you want Michelle to be like an icon, you can't show her just listening to the jerk. Mm-hmm. So I think they kind of finagled this weird scenario where Michelle can come out looking like a badass, actually end up voting with him and explain it after. Right. Which, I mean, that's why I think I get why people have ra- like meteoric rise here for Michelle. I don't agree with it, but. I mean, the thing, is, like we were saying earlier, we were talking about how for anyone a great episode is going to raise them a cpp5 episode this is michelle's cpp5 episode but i think it's like a great example of something that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good episode i think this was pretty bad for michelle yeah i think there is this idea of the emotional versus the strategic decision but right now especially that's clashing with three episodes of us being told whether this is the case or not that wendell and her do not get along. Wendell is being shown to look terrible. And she says, I don't want to work with Wendell long term. And then she votes with him, which is yep. like the classic, like, I'm jumping off your train move for me. If yeah. you contradict yourself that way. But yeah, I just think and this feels like too much. This also felt with that musical confessional right before tribal, like more than anything else we've seen, the end of Michelle's story. Bingo. Like, <laughs> like Michelle is a top pick for me as the merge boot. Agreed. No, I think <laughs> 100%. I think this was because this isn't a new part of her story. In episode one or two, depending on how you uh, categorize it, she mm-hmm. said the same thing as she said here. But this time there was a badass rock soundtrack to it. Like, right. Both times she just said, a lot of people thought I shouldn't have won that season. I'm here to show that I want to win both of them. Cool. You've now proved it. Mm -hmm. The problem is one, the way this is portrayed because they maintain the idea that Michelle hates Wendell. Like they maintain that this whole time. They even say, she's like, I gave him a fire token. Now I regret it. (laughs) That Yule leaving inadvertently looks like Wendell's move. Why did she vote out Yule when she hates Wendell, Has doesn't want to work with him long-term, likes Yule? They do not back that up at all. Yeah, it's like, if you're thinking this is fitting into this new theme of emotional versus strategic decisions, like, how is it strategically a benefit for the Michelle we're seeing in this game? Like, yep. Michelle does not like Wendell. Wendell is not really a tool for Michelle going forward, but yet she keeps him. Like, yeah. that's what I don't get. Like, we do see Wendell say, like, Michelle's the one that I, like, and also it's presented like, Wendell's like, Yule's coming after me, I guess I have to use Michelle, she's the one I get along with the most, 
maybe I can work with her long term. Like if anything, mm-hmm. this comes out looking like Wendell saved himself. And honestly, I was getting flashbacks to one Victoria Baymonde or Baymondi or whatever in Edge of Extinction. Where is this not the same thing as that Aubrey boot where it's like she comes out as like the like Aubrey's like beneath those eyes that she was awake the whole time more than anyone ever noticed. Uh, and they even overscored the music. We commented on that at the time. It was like Victoria's being emerged as the, the greatest player in the season. And then mm. she was invisible the rest of the season. I miss her. Uh, yeah, Victoria's <laughs> the best. <laughs> have a story. But right. like that that was the problem. They didn't have a story mm-hmm. for her other than she killed Aubrey. Yep. After that, they were like, oh, she's on the cast. Um, and that's the thing is Michelle got this huge grand moment. And you're right. This is the example of when being hyper visible is bad, I think. Mm-hmm. It was too positive. It's too in your face, I think. I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, I she's a bigger character than most people, I guess, is a positive somewhat. Mm-hmm. I guess I still see the potential. Like, that's why she's fifth. Like, maybe it happens, but it still feels like even if she makes it past the merge boot, she's still in that Janet Carbon territory of a big character who's not going to win. Yeah. Or she could go Victoria and go, like, this was her story, and now she is just a number. No, I think you're right. Like, I don't know, like, this was a funny character to watch, but, like... what point me to Tommy's episode like this? He didn't have one. Like mm-hmm. there's never an episode about just look how amazing Tommy is in every way, but also his decisions wrong. That didn't happen. Like they usually keep winners a little bit more. Um, It's like a uh, consistent, but not overbearing. Michelle in this episode was overbearing. It doesn't match her in the past. Like this felt like a weird outlier. If anything, I think to use uh, one term, I think she's their distraction. Some sort of distraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one form the distraction, quote unquote, frequently takes is one growth edit. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're seeing here with Michelle is the um, winner mutated iteration of the classic growth edit. Your um, like Holly, your David Wright, like. Kathy Vavrick O'Brien, like, that's what we're seeing, right? Like, but the winner version. Usually it's about how they grow to be somebody deserving to win the game and they leave. And it gives them an excuse for why they don't win because they've learned more about themselves and maybe they could win in the future. This one's mm-hmm. a little weird because she's already won, but it's about how she reconciles with her previous win to be okay with that one. Mm-hmm. Not this one. I think I, there's a potential Kelly Kim in this too, where mm-hmm. it's just solid obviously like or maybe it's not obvious but they want to showcase this pre-merge as really good like a really interesting dynamic character who goes at merge yeah michelle the merge boot makes a lot of sense yeah especially like who she's working with like jeremy that group that we just said is probably dead Mm -hmm. that's the that's another worry like numerically she's not in great standing right so that's michelle That's Michelle. (laughs) Poor Michelle. I I was kind of hoping you would be high on her. I've basically taken her off my, I mean, not even taken her off. I've not really ever had her on, but like I've continued pretty low on her. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's always this sort of wariness to it. Like it Mm -hmm. feels too good to be true. It's always been more positive and like honestly in your face than a winner should be. Yeah. Even before this episode. I felt like she was really getting, like, stereotypical winner stuff. Yeah. 
And I do think that they probably handle this like they could obviously show it much worse. Like there's a there's a version of this episode where it's Michelle just follows this guy that's a jerk to her and mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, my God, you're terrible. Like there is definitely right. a world where that's what we see here. They they shielded her from that negativity. They didn't make her look like subservient to someone who treats her like bad. Mm hmm. But they didn't really do the opposite either. They said she doesn't want to work with him, but reluctantly does, I guess, is the story. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's not a clear story at all. And she enters tribal saying she wants him out. So, mismatched incentives. Mm -hmm. Let's move to Nick. (laughs) Once again, it's like, give Nick content in those first few episodes. And we have a really interesting character to talk about. Yep. Uh, I I love him. He's like one of my favorites on this season, honestly. He's really well spoken. Like he's so mm-hmm. like so great at taking the information at hand and turning it into like an idea, right? Like mm-hmm. like I thought him talking about Wendell was so good. He's like, "Man, like Wendell just went up and blew up my game. Like I want people who are reliable." Like that he was so he's so good. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like this is I feel like every season we have somebody who just like, if you just gave him anything, I mean, he got episode one was even good enough. You just gave right. him that the whole time. We would be having a debate here of like, should he be number three? Like we just had with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Should he be number one? Honestly? Like, yeah. And instead I, I can't even consider him because they didn't bother to treat him like a character. Mm-hmm. And from what we're seeing, like he is maybe my pick for the person playing the best game. Yeah. If by default like like we said he's had a really fortunate pre-merge where oh yeah but i still think he can carry into that merge with a lot of connections and stuff oh yeah forward especially i think he is the one who benefits the most from there being no old school people easy because i think old school people are really wanting to get out the most recent one because they don't know and but and honestly like nick seemed to always have a hard time talking to the people that like He's clearly a survivor dork in a way that he, like, honestly, even Testament to Adam seemed to have no real problem talking to Rob. And mm-hmm. he never seemed that nervous. Like, he obviously, like, maybe didn't handle it the greatest way. <laughs> but, like, Nick, when he was talking to Parvati and stuff, was when he was talking to, um, uh, who was it early on, Tyson, etc. Like, he looked nervous and awkward and clammy. Mm-hmm. that's not who we see anymore like i i don't think he has a problem talking to the people that are like his contemporaries but like he clearly had a hard time talking to parvati he clearly had a hard time talking to tyson and you're right i think he benefits a lot from that and i think you're right like i think there's three people like the three that we mentioned that you could argue are playing the best and nick's definitely one of them like because we see enough to see what he's doing he has a good bond with michelle he's a good bond with wendell he's a good bond with yule he's the only one who is not going home at all here in any universe Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if it's a flip, it's you or Wendell. If it's not, it's Michelle. Um, Same with on his previous tribe. Like, he was always safe. Always seemed to have a lot of agency, too. He just doesn't have a story. Right. I guess the one, like, conspiracy theory tinfoil hat thing is maybe he, like, literally adopted what Goodwill Tyson had. Yeah. Because sort of, it was Tyson versus Nick. Tyson gives him his fire token. And then that's when the murder or the swap happens. And Nick starts to pick up a better edit. Yeah. Like, straight up. Yeah. Like that bond is actually very good for Nick. Mm-hmm. Let's say Tyson comes back next week. I guess Nick does become a credible part. But the problem is still like, wouldn't you see him in that episode talk about how he, because that's still the problem, right? Is he's better after Tyson leaves. But in that episode, 
couldn't you have just done with Michelle, like what you just did with Michelle here with Nick and like really hype up how he's taking out his idol. Mm -hmm. We didn't really see that. We saw his like episode versus Tyson looked really bad. Yeah. He looked like a dork and Tyson looked cool. Lazy and yeah. Yeah. Like, and when in reality, Nick was Nick got one vote or whatever from Tyson and was probably never in danger at all. Mm-hmm. When so like you know he probably like this the conversations weren't Nick's lazy and terrible it was probably okay so T- Tyson's going what do we tell him I don't know Nick I guess right but yeah no poor Nick um hopefully he like I think it, we're we've been saying this all season I think he is our Andrea where it's just like he's gonna be important I think he goes far mm-hmm. he's not gonna be the merge boot no if anything if Tyson comes back he inherits an ally mm-hmm. it's pretty good and again it just the early game is just not good enough to really consider him right he could go far he could be a losing finalist and they just yeah. like don't know why he lost that genre of losing finalist like yep. they do that sometimes like mm-hmm. gavin just like yeah he lost um that's it sorry yep just not good enough he played better but he didn't get the jury votes against whatever like nick being a losing finalist against tyson would be like the world where tyson wins i feel like it's against nick mm-hmm. that would make that. sense yeah that's nick mm-hmm. that brings us to now super villain wendell they're just going so hard like last week we were like we thought he couldn't get ottn but then he did and then i was like it couldn't get any worse and then it got worse he seemed awful this week like right genuinely un like like unfathomably bad like, mm-hmm. I was shocked. I was actually shocked he didn't go. Right. And, like, logically, I was like, well, there's no way he goes because him and her, sorry, him and Michelle are clearly very close. So what's going to happen? Like, like she maybe, I thought maybe she would vote with him and then flip back on the revote. It's kind of what I was reading into it. Mm-hmm. But I was, just, I was trying to invent a way for him to go home because I'm like, why are you doing this to somebody? Like, he looked so bad. Like, he looked like a terrible person in this episode. For sure. Like, a straight up, like, irredeemable bad person. Mm-hmm. Like, manipulative and, like, not good. Like, gaslighting and childish. Right. And, like, it was bizarre. It wasn't even that menace. Like, like there wasn't even, like, twirling the mustache at the camera. He wasn't a villain. Yeah, it's very cold. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought you would, like, realness came off so and it came off really bad last week too but like he doesn't get it like he doesn't get that the other person's hurt Mm -hmm. it was shocking i thought like i think he's probably got like unearned hate like a lot of it probably has to do with the music and stuff like that but i don't know like this was honestly hard to watch at times for sure like even like but tribal he was like ripping into michelle Mm -hmm. and then was like let me correct you when he like misread his word I don't know. It's like to the point where I'm like, this can't be how he like legitimately is all the time. Right. Like I think, and you can see it when he's playing, he just really, I think is a super fan who is game body, but wants to say the right things all the time, but can't do it off the top of his head. So it's like words are spoken to him process, process, process. And then like the coldest, rightest technically response comes out but it's awful because it yeah. doesn't sound natural or actually good yeah and he said it this season too right he's like yeah i'm just a little like slower like i <laughs> that sounds bad but like he's like he like things come to him slowly he just yeah. plays it by like this is like the 
most negative you can make like the stereotypical surfer bro energy look right like Mm -hmm. apathetic and cold versus like usually you get like he's go with the flow like in ghost island it was like chill wendell like sometimes he doesn't respond in any meaningful way but like that's cool (laughs) this one it's like does he not care about other people (laughs) like there's a there's a genre of go with the flow that's just like disdain for the people around you and like you don't care what happens to humans and that's what he was giving off this episode yeah um like last right like no universe this is your, your winner at it mm-hmm, for sure like below every edge extinction person yeah below, below amber Sarah, even below amber yeah and like who would consider amber ever especially when like we said he probably just saved himself in a really impressive play mm-hmm. like i don't know like that's that's the wildest thing is it it worked he lived um right like we were predicting he is the Bradley of the season, but then he like broke the Bradley ceiling. Yeah, and this episode even looked like Bradley's boot, like mm-hmm. almost shot for shot. Like even him screwing up the challenge, like that was a Bradley thing in that episode. After the fact, you learn like, oh, they threw to take out Bradley. That's what the, like I got the vibe that they might have like thrown, <laughs> like except for it was Wendell losing. <laughs> like they even did that. Like they even had that. Like it's like every little second they could get of him looking bad they included like the all school like she was like that's the other thing is he seemed very um unconfident in his win like i think that's a big deal like insecure i guess Hmm. like he's like how dare you challenge me that i deserve to win or whatever like Mm -hmm. that's what that one confessional was was it was like offended at the idea of him ever doing anything wrong like he's like you didn't think i didn't know what i did wrong like i won the game like get over it like very cold Mm -hmm. and yeah like you're right like it almost begs the question of like is like if this is edit manipulation he didn't make it hard to spin him this way sure right like some of these moments are like almost cut and dry just like jerky but you have Mm -hmm. to imagine there's some edit manipulation going on because is he there's no way he's this bad (laughs) right is there right right yeah that's where i'm at where i'm at it's like it's like if he's this bad all the time like find a different male winner you surely have enough of them (laughs) yeah i mean you did hear i guess like the rumblings is that he was like one of the last ones on like he was like a replacement Mm -hmm. i think that could make sense like i don't i don't know like it's just so weird but so i think he would have we would have heard like more of that from ghost island we did see some of it we pointed that out some of it but it wasn't like like this is i guess he doesn't have someone he was in a relationship with and may still be in a friendship with that he's mostly focusing a lot of negativity on uh but i don't yeah also not really challenged right like say what you will about especially the ghost like and also like the episode that morgan left the one after that like where he got blindsided he was super negative like he was, he came off awful in that episode. Mm. The and that's like really the only time you ever saw him challenged. A couple times in the merge, like he was like really rude to like Angela and stuff like that. Um, sure. So like maybe it's just one of those cases where one they had to explain why Dominic lost for being like abrasive, and now you're like, uh, how abrasive was Dominic if <laughs> this is the social butterfly that beat him but that's i guess a tale for another story um mm-hmm. the other thing is like like i don't know maybe it's just he was never challenged in that game and this is what he looks like as a reaction you're right it's 
maybe intensified by the fact that Michelle is there. Like, I'm sure everybody has somebody that if they were stuck on an island with, really negative parts of yourself would come out. Maybe that's it. And you're right. Most of the negativity is directed at Michelle. Mm-hmm. So that could also be some of it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I guess under your theory, like, some of that could definitely be played up to other it people. It could be until it shows up in confessional. That's my that's, problem. Right. And he's playing up to such a point where it's like other people don't want to work with him because, like, yeah seems awful that's the thing is like it seems like yule earnestly had a problem with how he talked to michelle right right like that seemed like it like yule's like oh no 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 i'm not getting shown on tv working with somebody like that Mm -hmm. like that's that's why i can't believe it's an act because he talks about in confessional with the same intensity like it's not like he's like laughing in confessional or whatever like aha like they think i'm a jerk and i'm not he's just lying in his confessional so production doesn't catch on yeah, he wants to. He wants bad. Danny Boatwright's glory, <laughs> right? Like the other thing is, like he doesn't even get um, any mastermindy confessionals or anything, right? Like, right. Someone like Russell Hance is willing to be a villain. Will say awful things to people. Will then get the confessional saying like, "Ah, these people are stupid. I'm so much better than them." Um, <sighs> because whatever, like. My dog's not even dead. Stuff like that. Like, that puts him above them or at least expo- justifies why he's so negative. Mm-hmm. Wendell doesn't even get that. He All his confessionals, he also looks like a jerk, but it's bad. Like, I don't know. It's <laughs> right. It's something. It'll be like, interesting to see where this goes in the merge with so many bodies. Because we didn't see this before he was on a tribe of five. Yeah. So. Yeah, last week I was thinking, like, could Wendell be a losing finalist? And honestly, I don't think there's a chance of that anymore. I think he's too negative to make it that far. Yeah, but, but maybe. Also, I don't know. Like, to me, I think this um, season shows sort of a tale of two destroying the legacy of people, cities or whatever, um, <laughs> with Adam and Wendell. They both are way more negative than their initial season. Mm-hmm. Are highlighting qualities that you saw in some moments of them here that makes them super negative. Adam's fun and goofy and mastermindy and like you you like love to hate him. Whereas like Wendell often I was like little skeeved out watching. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Like Wendell Wendell is not fun to watch as a villain. No, I much prefer fun like making stuff Wendell. Uh-huh. <laughs> like Well, and even like Adam, like it's not really my like thing, but like Adam, it seems much more fun and like, like Adam isn't being mean to Ben in the same way Wendell's being mean to Michelle. Yeah, right. Like Adam's literally like, you're annoying. Oh my God. Like he seems irritable versus mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Like that's like, and Wendell's always seemed like a nice guy outside of Survivor. Yeah. And so like, it probably is the fact that he's just stuck there with Michelle and that's probably what it is. But I don't know. Like, poor guy. Like, this is a bad look on TV. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Let's move here to Yule. A tragedy. Um, Poor Yule. I love Yule. I'm very sad that this happened. Was not expecting it. I mean, I was, like, several layers deep. I was like, Adam is going home. There's no way Sally goes to Tribal Council because it has to be Michelle. Even then, if it flips, it's probably not Yule. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I guess... I don't know where this leaves him. He's probably like my top person I don't think has a chance of winning. 
like at sixth, but it's like really close to like, I kind of still see the path. It's just like with so many people before him, I don't, I wasn't expecting Yule to go to Edge of Extinction. Same. I thought he would be at the very least last one more vote, like merge boot vibes. Mm-hmm. But in a way, when you actually look at the people who leave the one before the merge, they probably look more like merge, like what people think merge boots look like. Right. In a weird way, like even flashback to Millennium vs. Gen X, like Michaela looked like a merge boot. And in fact, she's the one right before or uh, Bradley or Jack, like mm-hmm. merge boot vibe-ish. But instead, they leave right before Allie, stuff like that. Right. Um, but yeah, you will unexpected. I guess I kind of saw this as a possibility after the episode with the Jonathan Penner content, just because of that commercial, like the content was good. The fact that there was a commercial, I'm like, oh, if you make it far, this is at the reunion, not in the middle of episode five. Mm-hmm. And so I started being like, okay, that's a little bad. Like, like we've seen these like, like charity connect, like CBS cares things before and like stand up to cancer and Molly vs. Gen X was the reunion, right? Like, that's when that pops up. Like, the finale episode, I mean. Not episode five. So, Mm. I started seeing him leaving earlier recently, but, like, not this early. Okay. You're saying there was, like, the commercial. Yeah. The season, like... I don't know if it was part of the episode or not, because it was on the Canadian feed, too. Hmm. So, I think it was actually part of the episode. I don't know if I saw it. And maybe maybe it was an episode I didn't watch live. I was taking a little nap. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It's something we'll still have to be careful for. Because like, obviously, Adam, that wasn't an end of the line story. Like, Ben has his big moment here, which also gets treated at the reunion. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's true. I think I guess... catching the commercial might be really astute, though. Yeah, I mean, I I thought I think I brought it up on the episode that it happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it was literally they did the Jonathan Penner like, I, I'm playing for something even bigger than myself, Yule says. And then I'm like, oh my god, he's winning. I was wrong. And then it cuts to commercial and it's a ad about like CBS Cares, Donate Now mm. with Jonathan Penner in the commercial. Oh, yeah. I don't think I saw that. Yeah, I like I probably didn't do a great job of bringing it up, but like... No, you did. And I think I was like... I also think I kind of... I was like, yeah, it definitely happened. I just didn't pay attention to the commercial. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, to me, that's when I was like, yeah, this is the stuff that usually, like, gets shown at the reunion. For sure. Especially the donate part. Like, mm-hmm. like I think they started taking donations at the reunion for Stand Up to Cancer, specifically. A right. um, little morbid, I guess, to think about it on that terms. But, like, it makes sense chronologically. Like, you do that at the... And near the end of their story, for obvious reasons. Right. Almost in retrospect, it's a little, like, obvious. It's like, okay, where do we put this so that it's not too obvious, but also, like, not right yes. before? Because theoretically, that stuff could show up anytime, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't really relevant to the game that he was playing in that moment. I mean, maybe if it's important to Sarah's story. Because, yes. like, Sarah was really heavily involved in that. But that's true. that would be the only thing. I don't think he's coming back. No, I mean, I don't know. He's, uh, it's hard to say. Like, it is. Let's say no. Because I think this sort of journey of Yule, as we had through the pre-merge, serves well for that cause. He is a really captivating character who honestly did look like he had the most capability of, quote-unquote, old-school players. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did outlive them. Yeah, and also interesting. Like, like I think a lot of people learn to love Yule again. 
Mm-hmm. I think more than you'd expect, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know people who, like, forgot about him and came out loving him. And being like, wow, I would love to see Yule 3.0. For sure. Like, I feel like he, but he also might just be at that level now that he's, like, he'll probably always be an early boot. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost, this season and its own mystique has boosted him to, like, another level of, like, I don't want to see Yule playing with anyone less than winners, you know? Yeah. Like. Or Legends or whatever. Yeah, because I feel like either he matches them toe-to-toe and it's really interesting with winners or like with newbies he steamrolls them or they know to get him out early and it ruins his legacy yeah like russell hansy like okay well (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think that like him getting voted at redemption island is a big reason why now if you say like russell hans in public everyone's like uh instead of oh you know sure i think that was legacy destroying I heard he had some good opinions about, like, quarantine, like, CBS airing Survivor. Hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I checked out his YouTube channel just, like, because I thought it would be funny and bad. Who's? Russell's? <laughs> and, like, it wasn't as bad as you'd think. He had some not bad reads, I thought. Um, for what, well, Like, I expected, like, rambling crazy man. It was, like, a little that, but, like, it's a little better than I thought. I hope he's doing well. It's been almost 10 years since he's been on American televisions. He's great on Australian television, though. Mm, well, <laughs> <laughs> also uh, questionable, but... I really loved him on that, for what it's worth. Okay. I'll be dodgy. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the show. Um, the Selly Tribe was a weirdo uh, mix of uh, super yeah. positivity and super negativity and everywhere in between. I still don't know what to believe, like what the truth is that's the weird thing is like like we've just talked about them for like 40 minutes and i still have no clearer picture of what actually happened like there's no it's like a good like true kind podcast there's no like way every single piece fits in perfectly yeah it's like a bunch of square pegs like like and there's no even there's not even a square like, pig in the board, but there's a bunch of like triangles and rhombuses and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone from Selly is going to win, but <laughs> you also thought that of DeCall. So, <laughs> well, Oops. I guess you had Tony. Yeah. Speaking of which, my contenders are Tyson, followed by Sophie. And that's it for the chart. But also look at Sarah, Jeremy, and Michelle, because I think Fair. if anyone else can do it, it's those three. Um, Mine are. Sophie, number one, Queen of South Pacific. I think also think it would be sick if a one-time player wins this. And Sophie's a good good version of that. Next, I have Tyson. Almost contingent on him being the second returning. I, I think he could still win if he's the first one. Um, but it would have to be first one and then an epic episode versus mm-hmm. um almost certainly wins if he doesn't come back next week. As bizarre as that is. Next up is <laughs> Tony, who I'm holding on to. I think he had a weak episode, but I think it's okay to have a weak episode right here. This to me is actually what a quote unquote well needed cooldown looks like. And it was fine. It was good enough. Okay. Fourth, I, I that's where I cut off my chart. I only am really seriously considering those three. Fourth, I do have Sarah. Um, she's just so much below Tony that and she's almost a backup. She's a she replaces Sophie if Sophie ever leaves for me. Mm-hmm. So that's mine. Joe, mm-hmm. who's leaving? Who is our merge boot? It is Michelle. 
I just have a bold pick. I hate the merge. Like I said, it's 13 people. Well, 12 people. Who knows what directions they're going in? It could be anyone, especially this season. So I'm going to make it bold and say, Michelle. I think that's a good pick. I'm going to go. I don't think it'll be Adam because of the next time on. I think, like, what are they doing with Wendell? I think I'm going to go with Wendell. Ooh, I think that's an interesting one. Like, maybe it's just they, this is effectively his boot episode, but delayed a week. I'm going to go with Wendell's or not. Because what else? Like, why else is he this negative? You could cool it down on it a lot, I think. (laughs) The true battle of the lovers. Will it be Michelle or will it be Wendell? Right? Yeah. So I guess I think what's going to happen is Michelle, Jeremy, Ben try to take out Adam Adam's able to flip it on Wendell. Hmm. And I think that actually makes sense numerically. Like Sarah and Sophie maybe side with Adam instead of Michelle and Jeremy. So yeah. Um, who is going to be the Edge of Extinction returning? And will there be one or two? There's only going to be one. And it's going to be... Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Can there be none? I, I'm still pushing Please. for none. Um, I guess Natalie? That would be bonkers. Because then it would literally be an old school, new school split. Yeah, that's wild. Like, Natalie coming back in would literally... Because right now it's old school plus Natalie. I guess technically Tyson won in the 20s. Yeah, so. that doesn't count though. <laughs> oh, okay. He played in 17 or whatever. Um, So, hmm, I'm going to go with it's Tyson. Okay. I mean, that feels righter, but I don't want it to be true. I'm going to say it's Tyson and Parvati. And it's two people on turn. I wanted to say Parvati, but then I'm also like, how does she fit back into all of this? Yeah, she makes no sense there. <laughs> um, I'm saying it's two. Parvati gets voted right back out. Aww. Um, so that's my my take there. I that's do have sure. like weird Parvati merge boot vibes. I was like, right? that can't be possible, but it could be. That's the thing. Anything's possible. On the you edge know, of extinction. Yeah, I was really being like, Natalie's not coming back until I looked at them. And I'm like, hmm. And Tyson's coming back. Yeah, it's like they all seem possible, but also none of them see, like Boston Rob's gonna show up at the merch. Like <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, unless it's Rob comes in and then everyone's just like, like Ben's like, "Are you kidding me?" That could be it. I don't know. Probably I not. Want Danny to come back just for the chaos. Oh, I would love it. Like, like as Danny's biggest critic, I think that like, would be kind of fun. The most fish out of water, like, is in the middle of a desert now. <laughs> Yeah, right? It's like <laughs> fish in the middle of a desert. Like, what is water? <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that would be fun. Like, Amber, most of these coming back would be fun. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I guess my hot take's always been, I don't hate the enter the merge person necessarily. That's fine, whatever. I prefer you not show them bef- while they're voted out. Like, do the outcasts, whatever, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what cool advantage do you think the returnee's going to get? Like a super idol. I'm expecting the worst. They're going to come in with like a double super idol or something. <laughs> oh, and probably the advantage will change the advantage menu. Yeah. hundred percent. I hope it gets updated for the merge. I think it will. And I think you're right. I think they're going to come in with like, I think my, my take is the fact that they've even done edge of extinction again is they learn nothing from the last one. All the criticisms not there. Like they still find stuff on the Island, <laughs> like mm-hmm. plus advantages. Like that to me should be mutually inconclusive incompatible the fact that they're still there they probably haven't learned anything i think do you i guess do you agree that the edge of extinction returning will come back with an advantage just given to them i think so for sure yeah me too cool. but i think it, 
My take is that's just going to be a normal idol. Like, yeah, it'll, it'll actually be a point blank like idol. You can use it because like last time you had to give it to someone, right? Yeah, but this time it's just straight on idol. Straight on idol. Maybe, and this might be the best version. Maybe they just can't be voted out when they come back. They come in after the immunity challenge or something. Oh, yeah, that would be good. I wouldn't hate that. Like they have a vote, they can't be voted out. Mm-hmm. That's something. Yeah, and maybe like a confirmation that they don't, they weren't given an idol or something like that. Like mm-hmm. something like that would be better. Anyways, that's our show. You can email us at thewinneredit at gmail um, New episodes are on Saturdays or Sundays, depending on when we post them. This week it'll be Saturdays. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Kills Bees. You can follow Joe on Twitter at jchapman nine thousand. I know I retweeted something, some meme about a dog or something. I don't remember. It was funny. (laughs) I feel like I've mostly been tweeting about Canada's reaction to the coronavirus because Twitter, for some reason, shows people your likes now. And it's like Twitter's a good news source. So probably not the most riveting tweeter right now. Uh, I thought I had some good Survivor tweets this week. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't see your dog one, but I'm sure it was good. Maybe it was a lie. (laughs) I got to get the follower somehow. Why not? No, you're right. It's a dog spinning another dog and explode. Oh, the graphic. Don't I watch. I still don't remember. Got <laughs> <laughs> a very graphic uh, Twitter video retweeted. Um, hmm. Well, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Wash your hands. Oh, good idea.